Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're absolutely astonished at it. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning, Fiona. Still here with you. For We got to the end of the week. Yay. Only one more week to go until PJ's back with you. Um, and thanks for staying with us for the week. Uh, coming up today now, we have a busy show uh, for you today. Uh, we're going to be asking, do you tip all services or is it just wait staff? We'll be looking at that in a little while and let us know. Do you tip everybody? Do you tip the hairdressers? Do you tip the bins? Do you, bin man? Do you tip taxi drivers? Or do you only tip if you get good service? Do you tip if you don't get good service uh, let us know 0818 96 96 96 I'll also be catching up with a man who's walking from Cork all the way up to Antrim to raise awareness of parental alienation and we'll be looking at how you can feed your family a nutritious meal without breaking the bank which I think is very important at the minute because there's a lot of families who are very concerned about feeding their family and also trying to feed them a nutritious meal so we will be looking at that as well and I'll be giving away tickets for the Opera House so stay tuned for that. Now um, there there will be some disruption to traffic over in the Douglas area this weekend and it's all due to emergency evacuation works because a large concrete uh, lump of concrete was found in a sewer which is causing all kinds of problems over there. Good morning Councillor Terry Shannon. Fiona, good morning. How are you? I'm not too bad. Terry, uh, when did this come to light that there was a big lump of hardened concrete in the sewer pipe over, um, was it under the South Douglas Road, is it? That's right, yeah, just over there by Loretta Park on, on the South Douglas Road. I mean, there have been dreadful smells in the area for the past nearly, I suppose, week, really, certainly. Mm. And I suppose the, 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 the good weather exacerbated that as well, you know. So obviously there were a lot of complaints and so City Council 
went out to uh, investigate the, the matter. Um, now, at the moment, there is kind of smells around the place anyway because of the lack of water. A lot of drains haven't been flushed through. Mm. And that you know, was probably what people thought this was initially. Yeah. But uh, Dinah Rod and others were brought in to investigate and send cameras down. And uh, they were quite surprised to our, our drainage department to find that, in fact, there was a major blockage in the in the drains and they have spent the last number of days attempting to uh, unblock it by drilling through and uh, various other methods um, which have proved to be unsuccessful and I think if you look at the Twitter account yeah it's not an easy substance to remove really to know from anywhere it's impossible uh, because this now is a major uh, um, and very hard lump of concrete. And I think if you look at the Twitter feed on City Council, there's a picture of it up on Simon Lyons' Twitter account. Uh, he's our uh, head of the drainage department, uh, or one of our engineers in the drainage department, and it's a solid um, block of concrete, and it it is immovable. I think he so said what's that going even, to happen? you know, as you were saying there, that they had brought in <clears throat> special cutting robots, um, but they've barely dented <clears throat> the concrete. Barely dented it, yeah. So what's unfortunately now uh, is going to happen is the, the road has to be dug up starting from today and it will take about three days for the works to be completed. So the, the road is being dug up and um, the pipe has to be taken out and replaced and, and then obviously a reinstatement. So there'll be a counterflow in operation just there as you come to the brow of the hill uh, up up by Loretta Park and Ashdale uh, there on the South Douglas Road till Sunday evening, you know. And please God, then that will obviously resolve the issue for the residents who, you know, haven't been able to uh, uh, flush toilets or that kind of thing uh, uh, and use use water and that uh, so sewage the water weekend, for will, the last couple of days. And will that continue over the weekend then as well until this is rectified? Oh, it will, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, and, and what City Council have been doing uh, for the last number of days, they've actually been evacuating the, the drainage and the pipes uh, along the road as well. Like, obviously, there's effluent that has blocked, is blocked at the moment, and that's where obviously the uh, rather pungent odour, to put it mildly, um, was coming from. You know. And um, if anybody wants to have a look at the um, images that you were talking about there, that Simon Lyons tweet is on the Opinion Line Twitter. And yeah. um, Terry, the there will be, um, as well as the disruptions to people, to residents in the area, there will also be traffic disruptions in the area because some, certain roads are going to have to be blocked for to allow this work to continue. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There'll be a contraflow, so the inbound lane will be blocked uh, at that location so the, the footpaths will be open obviously and the bus will get through and cars will get through but there will be delays so I mean it might be if people are using the South Douglas Road as a, as a through way to get elsewhere I'd advise them to avoid it quite honestly because there will mm. be disruption uh, there will be a counterflow uh, uh, in, 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 in operation till Sunday evening so um, I think that's advisable that people would avoid that area you know and Terry, so do we, we know, will be looking obviously yeah, yeah I was just going to say do you know how long this has been there or do you know where like obviously we can't say at the minute where it's come from but I'm sure there will be an investigation into this well, their priority that City Council have, in, in my, uh, I've been speaking with our engineers in this regard, obviously their priority now is to get the issue resolved, uh, get the pipe fixed and get the, the, the water flowing, for want of a better word. Obviously, there will be an inquiry then as to where, um, where this came from, how it happened, 
and and who is responsible for it you know mm. so that's that's something that we'll have to do. That's probably someone trying to ring me now and, <laughs> uh, as technical and as, as I am not for out cut them off. But there will be inquiry um, as to where this came and and obviously there'll be somebody held responsible somewhere and I mm. think it's 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 probably an apt moment to tell people, look, the drains are for water and nothing else. You know, you do see people brushing you know, uh, the footpaths and brushing roads and that into into the gullies and papers and that kind of thing. City Council themselves are under pressure to keep all the gullies clean, uh, you know, particularly coming into the wintertime with leaves and that to avoid flooding. So it's an apt moment to tell people the only thing that should go down a gully is water, you know, and... and um, yeah, because I was just going to ask you... Terry there about like how common is this problem because you mentioned Simon Lyons and I know he um, has done a number of um, you know he has he has actually uh, posted a number of images on Twitter of fatbergs that have been found down drains and um, you know mm. baby wipes and stuff mm. like that so is it a common problem? Um, it is It is becoming one uh, and I just want to take the opportunity <clears throat> as you mentioned Simon to to, to thank Simon and his staff in the drainage department for the amount of work that they've done uh, <clears throat> uh, on this project. And indeed, David Joyce, our head of operations, this has taken nearly all their time at, at the moment. But you're correct. We've had and we, we have a lot of, you'll have seen where Simon has cleaned out major drains and had, has taken pictures of baby wipes and uh, in some cases, nappies, believe it or not, that people seem to uh, flush down their toilets. Now, you know, that's, obviously not advisable mm. and anything that can't you know if it's paper uh, is as much as should be done thrown down a toilet nothing nothing else baby wipes uh, you know these disinfectant wipes um, nappies obviously other personal items it should not be put down toilets there, there are other ways of disposing of those fat as well uh, we used to have a huge problem in the city centre where businesses were, were um, you know putting fat down the drains all businesses now are required to have proper disposals for fat as well. And that mm. causes huge problems in terms of blockage of drains and then massive inconvenience to residents who find that their own, you know, their, their toilets and their sinks aren't draining uh, and that causes huge problems and the like of this then has to, has to uh, be undertaken at a huge cost. I'm not sure how much it is, but I'd say it's not cheap. Digging up a road, having the personnel there over the weekend, uh, and then massive inconvenience to to people who were travelling through that area over the weekend. You know, so it's yeah. as I say, the only thing that should be put down drains is is uh, water, and the only thing that should be put down the the, the only solid thing uh, apart from our own uh, droppings, for want of a better word. Yeah, the only it's thing the else three P's, is isn't it? P, poo, and paper. Exactly. No, you have it. That's <laughs> that's it. And not pampers. No. Not included. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Councillor Terry Shannon, thank you for bringing us up to speed on of that. And here's a question for our listeners today. What is the strangest thing that you've seen flushed down a toilet? I mean, I know that we've all probably had our phones flushed down the toilet. And those of us with children have always had, you know, you wouldn't know what you'd find down the toilet. I know that in our house we've had fo- like full rolls of toilet roll down the toilet, um, bags of stuff that have gone down the toilet. But does 
does anybody have any story that they'd like to share with us about things that have been flushed down the toilet accidentally uh, you can get in touch with us 0818 96 96 96 or 0833 96 96 96 is the text and WhatsApp number and we will take your WhatsApp voice notes on that as well please what's the strangest thing that you have seen flushed down the toilet you guys ready Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. So the one second song has been with us all summer long and nobody can seem to guess it correctly. At least it's not wrecking anyone's head, so I'm demented from this one second song. Can you figure out what the song is from just one second? Give it a go yourself. I'll tell you more weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home on Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. We were asking people as well, what's the strangest thing that you have ever seen uh, thrown down the toilet? We were talking there to Terry Shannon and there will be disruptions in the Douglas area this weekend because of a large concrete block that has been found or large concrete concrete lump that has been found in the sewers over there um, and we were talking to Terry about different things that have been thrown down the toilet and of course it um, is the three P's pee, poo and paper, the only things that are down the toilet. Another uh, question that we wanted to ask our listeners today as well is um, I was reading in the paper this morning that uh, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck well we know that they got married during the week um, again and the big talking point now seems to be that she's changed her name. Like, obviously, Jennifer Lopez in itself is a brand. She's a global superstar, has been around for many, many years. But she announced that um, her she announced with love Mrs. Jennifer Lynn Affleck. And I think everybody now is going mad that she's after changing her name, that she took her husband's name. And we were wondering how people feel about that now. I know that a lot of uh, women want to keep their own name, particularly in their place of employment. Uh, they've made a name for themselves in their, in their job and they want to keep their name. Um, but it seems now like Jennifer Lopez uh, has has gone against that and um, I myself have also gone against that I didn't actually change my name straight away though I, I waited for six years and then I changed my name after I had my second child and I changed jobs um, so maybe that was saying something about my identity I don't know but um, I took my husband's name because I just thought it would be easier for things to do with the kids and with the house but has anybody out there not changed their name they think that women should hold on to their name or has anybody changed it and they'd like to let us know why they changed it or what do you think about Jennifer Lopez's decision to become Mrs. Jennifer Lynn Affleck? Let us know 0818 96 96 96 or text or WhatsApp 0833 96 96 96. I was asking you at the start of the show how you feel about tipping. Do you tip all people in the service industry or are there certain ones that you you tip and other ones then that you don't? And do you tip if you um, are not happy with the, the standard of service that you've received? Cloda Finn is a columnist with the Irish Examiner and she's writing about that this week. Good morning, Cloda. Good morning, Fiona. How are you keeping? I'm very well. How are you? Great, all together. So, Cloda, um, you think that, uh, you know, that it's it's only right that we tip, particularly people like wait staff. Well, I suppose I am coming from it as a former pizza waitress. 
who lived on a minimum wage and the fact that I was tipped meant that the minimum wage became a living wage. Mm. And I kind of punched the air last week when the uh, payment of wages bill passed. But at the same time, I found it very sad that we need uh, legislation to compel people in the service industry, I suppose restaurants in particular, to pass on their tips to staff. And also that bill also makes sure that you can't say service charge unless that uh, service charge goes to staff. Mm. And I suppose having worked um, as a waitress, you just realise it's a very difficult job. It's a very skilled job. It is very often a low paid job. And I I kind of, I liked the idea that this legislation passed if it did nothing else. It might just give people um, recognition of the work that waiting staff and other people in the service industry do in often very difficult circumstances, particularly post-COVID, you know. So that's the where I was coming from and I always tip. And do you think that um, weights, we'll, we'll go with waitstaff um, first, do you think that waitstaff yeah. should be tipped even if the service isn't up to standard? Well, it depends. That's a very good question. If the service is slow or if the service is bad, but the person waiting at the table is good humoured, um, I always feel sorry for them because, you know, you don't know what's happened. Um, you know, they could be under pressure from the kitchen mm. and, you know, they could be run off their feet. And I tend to go, oh, gosh, God love them. But um I actually, it's funny you say that because I remember being in a Cork restaurant actually and a very nice restaurant and with a table, a large table of people and they didn't speak English. So it was true that getting the order together took a lot more effort. And the person waiting on us, it was a bit like herding cats, was really impatient and was very rude. And I was raging because these were elderly people as well. And this is the other side of it, Fiona. I, I can't remember who paid or whether we tipped or not, but... I should have complained. I should Mm. have said something, but I didn't because, oh, you don't want to cause a scene and you don't want to leave a bitter taste, you know. But I think if the service is bad, by all means, you know, it's every right that you don't tip. But I think you should say something. Um, I think we're very bad at uh, constructive complaint, if you like, Mm. in in, uh, lots of industries. Yeah, I think as a nation, we'd prefer to just either eat the food and say nothing and walk out and complain about it afterwards rather than addressing it head on. Or we might take to social media and, uh, you know, write about our experience rather than just going to the to the manager, um, uh, you know, and just trying to sort it out there and then. Much better approach, I think. Much mm. better approach. But in general, I tend to take the side of the waiting staff, you know, because very often, too, it was my experience, you're invisible or you're dismissed. Or in in one of my experiences, I was working in France, so I was kind of the Irish girl with the funny French accent and yeah. kind of an object of, of curiosity, you know, and you become like you're singing for your supper. Yeah, um, I know. I was a waitress you know, in America and it was the same thing yeah. they used to ask oh, me to say. Yeah. certain phrases in my Irish accent. Oh, isn't it? You know, and you know, you do feel like you're a performing monkey in yeah. some cases, you know. Yeah. Now, some of it can be very pleasant in that, but um, you know, people do think uh, that, you know, they do, I, I've seen it, they could, 
they kind of revert to some kind of feudal mindset. You know, mm. I'm the lord of the manor or the king and you are my serf. You know, there is a little <laughs> bit of that. And if, if this legislation does anything to change that and just to, to develop a bit of empathy, I think it's a very good thing. Yeah. Exactly. And Claudia, do you think that all service staff should be tipped? That includes hairdressers, bin men, taxi drivers. Do you think that everyone should be tipped? Oh, well, you see, the, the issue there is, and you know, there is a very good argument to the people who say the fact that tipping exists shows that people in those industries are not paid properly. So that's the real issue, you know. And in tipping, some people say, well, you're 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 prolonging that. So that's an issue that has to be addressed. And mm. this legislation came around the same time um, as sick pay legislation. And I think there's a whole raft of legislation that, that we need to look at in low paid jobs. That's what needs to be done on a long term. Basis. And Claudia, we're but hearing I think so in much. The shorter as, team. Yeah, yeah, sorry. In, we hear so much about cashless society. Do you think that yeah. that's having an impact on tipping as well? Because I've been caught out myself. Definitely. I have to say, I've been at the Definitely. hairdresser and I've had no uh, cash to give a tip. And um, I've also been caught out in restaurants as well. I really feel, and I mean, it came in so quickly and it, it was exacerbated, if you like, by the pandemic when you were encouraged to use a card. And often you would, I suppose that the thing about cash, it's it's immediate and you hope that the person you're giving it to can put it in their back pocket and use it like often for very vital you know, uh, wages. But with the card, first of all, you have to depend on the employer to pass it on, which yeah. up to now, now that is legally, you have to do that. So there's a delay. And then, as you say, there often isn't a mechanism to tip on card. And, um, you know, I have seen there has been a proliferation of kind of digital tipping apps and devices where you can scan your tip. Um, but, you know, those little jars with tips depend on it you know mm-hmm. I think the, the people who are in restaurants are serving I think it must have been very difficult and it would be continue to be difficult in the changeover as we go from um, cash to card Yeah absolutely Cloda Finn from The Examiner thank you so much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning Cloda uh, let us know what you think do you tip as, do you tip everybody do you tip, tip just some people do you tip if you don't have bad service um, and with the whole cashless society, does that make it harder to tip for people? Let us know what you think. 0818 96 96 96 or 0833 96 96 96. Some of your comments that are coming in on the whole tipping issue. Kate says, when I was in Italy, I handed a waiter 20 euro for my reasonably priced meal, thinking I would get some change. He popped it into his shirt pocket and just said, grazie. I was taken by surprise, but he did it with such style, I left him keep it. <laughs> Fair play to that man, Kate. And Martina has been in touch to say, I go to the chicken in inn in the English market and find the fabulous staff offer amazing service, helping me buy all the meat I need she must have been with me for 20 minutes so I tipped her and there you go Martina isn't it you get lovely service and you don't mind tipping for that service because you know I suppose that's what the whole tip um, is about it's about you know paying for a good service and uh, Wayne is telling me here that in some countries and I think we might do it here I've seen it in some places here where if you are when you get the bill um, it has the amount at the end and there is a section then that's left blank for your tip and if you want to add that in for your credit card as well because Claude was 
say in a lot of places um, you know if, if people don't have cash they find it very difficult to tip so let us know what you think on that and um, also on anything else that we're talking about on the show this morning 0818 96 96 96 now um, we're hearing all the time about the price of groceries going up and it's a lot of parents are very very worried about trying to feed their family and particularly trying to feed them nutritious meals well um, the uh, registered dietitian Caroline O'Connor says that it doesn't have to be expensive and she's been talking to PJ before he went on his holidays So Caroline, the cost of living is very hard on people at the moment and what we know is that people tend to look for bargains when they go to the supermarket and why would you blame them? Mm -hmm. But shopping for bargains doesn't mean you have to compromise on quality, does it? No, absolutely not. I mean, it is legitimately very difficult for people at the moment. The cost of food is increasing uh, but there are some practical steps that you can take to make the most out of what you do buy um, and make the most of the, the food budget that you have. Like if you look through the staples of what should be in everybody's larder, where would you start? Uh, I mean, great staples are kind of the, the energy foods and they tend to be the most cheap, the cheapest foods and they also tend to be really nutritious as well. So like definitely top of my list would be things like porridge, which is relatively cheap and you can use it in, in lots of different things. Um, but also for people who don't like that, things like own brand breakfast cereals. Mm. Um, so they're really cheap. Uh, I can get a box of high fibre breakfast cereal in my local supermarket for 79 cents, yeah. uh, which is really good value. And they're fortified with vitamins and minerals, which can be really helpful for children, especially for their, for their iron levels and their good source of energy as well. Mm. Um, and, and they're filling. Um, and then your kind of typical staples that go along with most meals, things like um, pasta, if you can choose whole grain or rice or potatoes are another um, good standard. And all of those add fibre, bulk out the meals and they tend to be the, the cheaper part of the meal anyway. Yeah. Um, and then things like beans. Uh, so even your kind of bog standard, you know, baked beans, if you're not like an excellent cook, there's. I mean, there's lots of things you can do with beans and lentils, which are a cheap source yeah. of protein, uh, but not everyone is into cooking. So even just something like your standard tin of baked beans, you know, can make a really nutritious lunch. And they all tend to be kind of on the cheaper side, particularly yeah. of the, the protein foods, yeah. because things like meat and eggs tend to be quite expensive. Yeah, I was going to mention that I mean, eggs are gone quite pricey. I know we, we consume a lot of eggs at home. They've gone up. Fresh, good quality meat is is difficult. Is is gone up in price. So, so exactly. what do you do? You you got to have, I guess, some meat and eggs in the house. So, what do you do there? I mean, you don't necessarily. I mean, obviously, a lot of people do follow a plant based diet for various yeah. different reasons. You know, whether it's economic or sustainability or, or just ethically. Um, so, you don't necessarily need to use meat or eggs. If you do want to have meat or eggs, then try to make them last and stretch for as long as possible so if you're doing something like you know a curry maybe add some beans as well to kind of stretch out the meat a little bit add more vegetables serve it with more rice so that you can make a little bit of meat go a long way um and same thing with eggs as well so just try to use less and i suppose another huge thing is that the average irish household actually wastes about 700 euros a year um by throwing food out right 
So making the most of what you do buy is really important. We all waste food. Um, so if you do buy meat, which is going to probably be the most expensive part of your meal, then make sure that you don't waste any of it. Yeah. So use up every bit of the chicken. Uh, you know, one chicken might do kind of multiple meals. One of the things I learned to make, one of the most useful things I ever learned to make was an omelette because you'll never have leftovers if you can make an omelette. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, You can throw anything into an omelette. And sometimes it's just thinking outside the box. You know, you can really kind of be very loose with things like recipes. Uh, So you don't have to follow things exactly. You know, use what you have and always look in your fridge before you go shopping to see what you have, what you need to use up so that you're not wasting anything. Um, if you think you can't use something, if you have a little bit of meat left over and you think you can't use it in the next couple of days, we'll put it in your freezer um, and use it again another day or use it to make a soup or something like that or you only use a small amount of meat. What um, about those notoriously? What about those dates best before used by? The confusion between the two. Best before is just that. Used by, like if I pick something out of the fridge and it says used by and the date is today or yesterday. Yeah, that's fine to use. Yeah, really? but you, do, you don't want to use it tomorrow. So another useful thing, and I do it all the time myself, is to go into the supermarket and look for the reduced section. Uh, so every supermarket has a kind of reduced um, sale section in the freezer or the fridge and there'll be items where the the, the expiry date is today or it could be tomorrow hmm. and it's fine to to buy those and use them straight away or actually it's also fine as long as you freeze them yeah. on the day that you buy them and that can be a great way of getting some uh, really good bargains hmm. What about bread? Um, you know, children in particular love bread and love toast and things like yeah. that um, and you can get it very very cheaply but then that's not very healthy or is it? So, I mean, in general, bread is bread. It's made from flour and it's made from water. It has a bit of added salt. Um, so it is pretty much all made from the same things. I mean, more, I suppose, a processed bread will have extra additives to stop it from going bad. Um, but they're regulated. There's nothing inherently bad in, mm. in using things to preserve food. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't have to be expensive bread. I mean, it's a carbohydrate food. It's on the bottom shelf of the food pyramid. It is filling. It is does provide energy. Mm. Uh, children generally like it, mm. as you said yourself. Um, if you want to choose ones that are healthier, then try to choose kind of whole, whole grain ones more of the time. Yeah. yeah. So there's also nothing wrong with the white bread. Um, so, yeah, and it can be a great way to bulk up a meal. So, you know, serving bread alongside dinner is, yeah. is really helpful, especially when children are picky, because at least there's one thing on the table that you yeah. know they will eat. What about processed foods, Caroline? Some of the processed foods can be very cheap, but they're not great, are they? Um, again, it depends. I mean, processed, we have processed foods, we have ultra-processed foods. Everything is processed to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, so it really depends how processed it is. Um, like cheap pizzas yeah. now, for example, you know. Yeah, I mean, everything has its uses. So you, we can get nutrition from a wide range of foods. Um, in an ideal world, we'd all eat unprocessed foods and, and whole foods as much as possible. But I suppose we also have to be conscious of people's work schedules and things mm. like that. So I would never want to, you know, vilify things like cheap pizzas even. Yeah. Everything has a place in the diet as long as you're having a variety of different yeah. foods. So yeah, if you see a cheap pizza, um, it's maybe in the sale rack and you want to have it for lunch, that's fine. 
you know, yeah. maybe buy some of the uh, like super six bananas or whatever is is going cheap in the the fresh food section. So yeah. make use of the the other discounts as well. Yeah, you know, right. watch, and watch out for discounts. Depends on people's skills, you know. Watch out for discounts is important. Absolutely. So things like the the super six or you know that various different supermarkets have their own take on those things. You know, you can get vegetables and fruit quite cheaply at whatever is on for that particular week. So have a look before you go, see what you might be able to do with those things um, and then stock up on those when you're in the supermarket. And definitely, if you have a freezer, make use of it. I I get the impression from talking to you, Caroline, that there seem to be some myths out there. And, And in general, if you're careful, everything will work out just fine. Exactly. And I suppose we don't want to be too black and white about nutrition. Most important thing is that people have food on their table, um, as wide a variety of food as you can afford. Uh, But the the priority, obviously, is that you have food there for for each meal and for your family. So, yeah, I I don't think we want to get too bogged down in the nitty gritty. Things like frozen vegetables are fine. You know, tin fruit is fine. So really go for a variety of things when you're in the shop. Okay. Caroline, thank you for your advice. Um, thanks for being with me. Thank you very much, Peter. That is registered dietitian Caroline O'Connor, and Caroline's website is solidstart.ie. Earlier, I was talking to Councillor Terry Shannon about a large lump of concrete that's blocking the sewer system over in the Douglas direction and it's going to be causing major disruptions for people this weekend. And we were asking you, what's the strangest thing that you've ever flushed down the toilet? Uh, One person has been in touch to say the toilet system has always been the world's biggest graveyard for dead goldfish. And how many of us have been the hair caller? Um, It's it's not nice, is it? But it has to be done. Uh, Colleen has been in touch I love this one Colleen my dad always says I flush money down the toilet but I never told him that I actually do or did once anyway when I was travelling I decided I needed a safe place for my cash so let's say I hid it where a pickpocket would find it hard to get to few sangrias later and I felt the need off I go not a bother and as I was just going back to the bar a thought struck me I didn't remember the money when doing the business mad rush back to the stall but nope gone <laughs> thank you very much for that Colleen what a shock you must have got when you realised that all your money had been literally flushed down the toilet if anybody else has some weird and wonderful things that they flushed down the toilet you can get in touch and let us know 0818 96 96 96 or you can text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 and we will take voice notes as well on WhatsApp now the there have been calls for the voting age to be reduced to uh, 16 and there's now a campaign calling for the government to extend the right to 16 and 17 year olds to vote. Joining me now is TJ Hogan who's National Special Coordinator and Political Outreach Worker with Minkar Widden. Good morning TJ. Good morning, how are you keeping? I'm very well. TJ, you in particular want this um, to go ahead. You want the voting age to be lowered to 16. Yeah, I do, particularly personally myself, uh, outside of my role within uh, with what I do. And because of a simple reason is that there's currently laws and legislation being adapted that uh, our younger people is going to take the major effect of. And for them to have a say uh, at the voting stages, I think, would be vitally uh, critical. So 
that's that's my reasons. But we're having a, a webinar this evening to find out does everyone else agree with that. Uh, we have um, National Policy Director from the National Youth Council on tonight. We have our youth workers ourselves um, that's going to be chairing the conversation, along with young people as well that's going to be engaged in the conversation. So we're hoping that uh, we'll have a, a, an answer tonight, but also that we can engage the public and get that kind of census. TJ, you're particularly keen to have the voting age lowered to 16, as is a lot of the traveller community. Why is the traveller community so um, enthusiastic about having it reduced to 16? Well, 56% of our community is under the age of 21, which means that uh, for a population of less than 0.6%, which is 40,000 people, uh, 20,000 are co about between 15 and 20,000 people are actually between the ages of 16 and 20. So if for, for political change, uh, we have to uh, kind of tap into that, um, to that so we can allow uh, our, our, our people to that are at the voting age to actually have a say at the table because as you know the major social issues that are going on there's there's actually very low turnout at the moment of travelling community actually mm. participating in the ballot vote box. And do you think that if the voting age was lowered that that would increase? Yes, yeah, and it's, it's not even just that. For a wider society as well, you know, we allow our 16-year-olds to work, we allow our 16-year-olds to drive tractors, uh, have decisions on their sexual health, but we're not giving them a right to actually uh, go to the ballot box where these decisions are being made for them. You know, uh, we found out that there was a huge increase in youth voter from 18 to 21, particularly after the uh, Yes campaign. So there is an appetite for it, and it'll only create leadership and political awareness among our young people. There's no negative to this on my end what I can see anyway and mm. so I think that it'll create real positive and it will allow our young people to actually have a say in politics and policies that affect them like climate change you know like accommodation matters like policy like working you know so our young people are not being brought to the table at the moment from a wide perspective not just within the travel community either you know so uh, it's, a, it's really important that this age is uh, successful in being lowered because as I said we are giving our young people um uh, adults uh, having adult conversations with mm. them they're taking, making adult decisions but we're not allowed to even go to the ballot box which is really strange TJ do you think I think when we have this debate all the time about lowering the voting age to 16 there's always people who will argue that you know teenagers are not, are not interested in politics they're not going to come out and vote but what you're saying is that if you catch them young when they're you know when they're teenagers that it might actually increase their in- engagement yeah, you look, you go right around any uh, fifth, uh, between fourth year up in, in any leaving uh, school, uh, you, you'll see that our, our society has actually become more politicised and we're, we're, we're leaving them with these decisions till they're 18. Well, I actually think that social responsibility actually be, is actually uh, done through actually giving these young people an opportunity to express their opinions. And you can't do that by not allowing them going to the ballot box. As I say, we give them opportunities around. We're, we're, we're taking tax off young people that can work from 16 on. You know, you can get married at 17. You can drive a car at 17 in this country. Within the traveling community, whether people really agree or disagree we have pe- uh, people married and having kids at 16 up so like they're ha- living that adult lives but they're not allowed to actually have an input in society which is and people talk about social responsibility unless we give them the opportunity to have that responsibility how can we ever expect anything different yeah that's a really good point tj you know that people are getting married 16 17 they're having families they're doing all the things that adults are doing but yet they can't have a voice when it comes to making decisions on what happens in the country yeah.
yeah. And the thing is as well, our young people uh, have always been underlooked, uh, overlooked. You know, they, they, we have a great lot of young people that are politically aware, that are leading out on issues such as climate change, you know. I look at the debate that happened, uh, the national protest that happened a couple of months back where they shut down the schools because young people wanted to be attending them protests, you know, because mm. they matter to them, you know. And allowing them to have an opportunity to have a say on national policy and to have a say in the ballot box will actually make a huge difference in who represents them and who actually uh, and what kind of policies and democracy we're living in and if we're going to overlook that and just wait till they're 18 then you're, like, you're going to get obviously this disengagement from the political system which we are seeing with our younger voters engage with them young because we have CSPE we have sex education we've all these things that's been pushed in, through the education system but we're saying then you have to wait till you finish school to engage in the political system which is kind of nonsense really TJ what would you say to the argument now I know you were saying that people who are 16 or people who are 17 are getting married and having families but what would you say to this comment that has come in um, that 16 is too young because they don't have any life ex- they don't have enough life experience at that age well, can I say? Can I come back with that when saying how 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 people look at the vote, the direct, the the overall age in the dollar at the moment? You know, mm. how can they make real decisions and have feel uh, feel that they're connected to that around climate change when there there might be uh, in their fifties, sixties, or seventies? You know, these young people are going to be living in this planet and they're going to bring up the next generation. Mm. So we have to allow, if in, if we want social responsibility uh, from our young people, we have to allow them to engage. To say that they're not mature enough is, is not a good enough argument because we can't accept social responsibility and deny them the opportunity to show that. So it doesn't make sense and it, it's, it's just an argument that does not work when you're talking about young people. Our young people are very, very educated, they're very, very smart. And you look at the stuff that they are very active on, you know, around mm-hmm. climate change, around accommodation, around the cost of living now as well, and other debates, and they are having their input, but their input isn't going far enough because they don't have a vote behind them. Yeah, like we've had so many teenagers on this show talking about those kind of issues that you're talking about there, and they'd blow you away with their knowledge and their yeah. ability to put their yeah. points across, you know, excellent speakers, really well versed in what they're talking about, and, you know, I, I, I can't see an issue for why they wouldn't be able to vote, you know? Yeah, and look look at Greta Thunberg, you know what I mean? She led the way, uh, and a lot of young people look up to her. And the thing is, is that we have a lot of them people in Cork, and we have a lot of them people across the country. We just, they just need to be given the opportunity. To say that they're politically engaged, it's very easy to be politically engaged when the stuff that you care about at 16 and 17 changes, and then when you're 18, all of a sudden you're asked to vote. Mm. You know, we should be engaging with these people and these, this, this community of, of young people, because they are very bright, they are very... And allow them to have their social say, because... At the end of the day, a democracy works on people having their say. And we're making decisions on behalf of these young people across the board on all different areas. And they're not allowed to go to the ballot box, which is very unfair. TJ, just from speaking to the 16 and 17 year olds in the travelling community, do they get very angry that they're not allowed to have a voice on what's happening? Yeah, we're trying. We're trying to build up that that at the moment, and hopefully there will be good turnout and good uh, viewing on the the webinar this evening. And we're, we're trying to build that because we are finding that look, travellers of sixteen, seventeen, they do have families, you know, of their own, you know. Uh, whether people disagree or agree with that, that's not for this conversation. But the thing is, is that like 
they're growing up. You know, I know a 17-year-old that has a uh, 17 year old that's married, married a year, that has two kids, can't get social welfare. You know, depending on their parents, yeah. and can't have a for, can't have a say on how to change that system. So mm. we need to really have a conversation. If we're, we are asking people, and it comes back to the idea of social responsibility. If we're asking people to be socially responsible, then we should be allowing them to make the decisions where that's been had. Again, having a seat at the table for all. And TJ, you mentioned there about the webinar. It's on this evening at 7pm. And yeah. how can people log on? Uh, they can log on by uh, looking at the uh, Minkyo Widen Facebook page. It'll automatically come up live there. And there has been a link, but there's been a couple of technical issues. So we've okay. sorted them, but it'll come up uh, automatically live, bang on 7 o'clock. Minkyo Widen, and that's M-I-N-C-E-I-R-S-W-H-I-D-E-N. That's it, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. TJ, best of luck with it. And, um, you know, you might let us know how it all goes. That's TJ Hogan. He's National Special Coordinator and Political Outreach Worker with Minker Widen. Thank you very much for that, uh, TJ. What are your own views? Do you think that the legal age to vote should be lowered to 16? Let us know. 0818 96 96 96 or 0833 96 96 96. Before the break, I was talking to TJ Hogan about having the voting age lowered to 16. And Councillor Mick Nugent has been in touch to say, Well said, TJ. Sinn Féin have called for the voting age to be reduced previously. For example, in the Scottish independence referendum, 16 and 17-year-olds could vote. We need to look at it here. The Citizens' Assembly also agreed by a clear majority that the voting age should be lowered also. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. If you want to be in with a chance of winning that lovely prize to the Cork Opera House with dinner for four in the corn market beforehand I and you missed the answer the last hour, I will be reading it out again this hour. So stay tuned for that. Um, earlier as well, we played out an interview with PJ and um, nutritionist Caroline O'Connor and she was talking about feeding your family on a budget, um, a, a nutritious meal on a budget. And Dr. Monica has been in touch to say that was very interesting to listen to, especially the bit about frozen veggies and pizza and it really was I think sometimes uh, frozen veggies and pizza get a hard rap and Caroline was saying it's okay I think as long as you're getting um, you know the vegetables into them in some way it's better than nothing isn't it (laughs) so um, I was saying earlier this morning that I was going to be talking to a man who is walking the length of the country he's going to be starting his walk tomorrow morning um, at the tip of Cork and he's walking all the way up to Antrim and it's to raise awareness of parental alienation and he believes that the services need to be improved both sides of the border and he's doing it in partnership with the charity La Dolce Vita project and it's an early intervention and prevention support service for women, men, families affected by domestic abuse, coercive control and alienating behaviours. They are based in Derry but they work uh, wherever possible with families north and south of Ireland and Charlie McGill is the man who is going to be doing that mammoth walk to raise awareness of 
parental alienation. Charlie McGill, you are arriving into Cork today and you're going to be starting a walk tomorrow, Saturday, um, from West Cork and you're hoping um, to make it the whole way up to the top of the country. Just tell me a little bit about the challenge that you have ahead. Yeah, I'm walking from from uh, just outside Skibbereen to Lenarm, my own local village. Uh, that's 364 miles, 26 miles a day for 14 days. I'm doing the walk to highlight the problem of parental alienation. And uh, I witnessed somebody going through parental alienation, somebody close to me, and I've seen how devastating mentally, physically, emotionally that affects somebody. Mm. And the surrounding, even the extended family. And it's just, uh, I just thought it's, I don't think, or it doesn't seem to be right that one parent, that's either man or woman, has the right to keep children away from a biological, lovely, loving parent. And this, of course, is um, the charity La Dolce Vita uh, project, trying to highlight parental alienation and the effects that it can have on people. I got involved with uh, La Dolce Vita project, uh, Donna Maria Lug, who set up the charity. I got involved as a subcommittee and a subcommittee to try and help her highlight and get a motion through the councils to try and get it highlighted as a uh, as a, the problem that it is and the damage it does to the alienated parent plus the damage it does to the alienated children like uh, most cases it's a, uh, the father or mother is just about their life and the whole family circle and probably in a lot of cases they don't even really know where they are or for what reason and I suppose, like Charlie as well, um, you were saying that by doing this walk, you'd like to highlight the fact that we need more supports here, both north and south of the border. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it, was, it was done, actually, when I first spoke to her, I was trying to get something done as an all-island, uh, as an all-island approach to it, because it's, I think I've actually found out since I started the walk and the amount of messages and the amount of people that's been getting in touch with me, and it's not only in Ireland that's a problem, it's a problem nearly worldwide. It's definitely through the UK and, and uh, Europe. And there's a couple of people that actually sent private messages. I was kind of surprised from America that has got to hear tell that some way and they're following it. And it's a big problem there as well. So it seems to be everywhere. And what kind of supports do you think are needed? Like, what are we doing wrong? What, what do we need to have here? I think uh, in some of the cases that I've heard, uh, like the parent that is alienating uh, seems to they take, make up an allegation or they or something they, they accuse the other parent of something and generally a court order or whatever, and then uh, understandably that if it's that if it is something they're accusing them of, it has to be uh, investigated or whatever. But then whenever that's cleared. Then there's something else brought up. There's something else brought up. Uh, I know in the case that I knew, the lack of communication between the contact centres, the social services, uh, just feelings in a lot of different areas, and the courts or, or the legal system doesn't seem to recognise recognise it as a problem. And uh, I think that needs to change. Uh, it's as I said at the start there. It's to watch somebody go through it. Like it's awful. Uh, I've been talking to 
uh, well, it's a young person now, and they're, they're probably in their twenties. I was talking to a young person come to me, and they went through it. Mm. They were alienated from from their parents, and they said like uh, it wasn't until they kind of come up into their late teens they wanted to find out the other side of their family. And uh, well, I just want I wanted to get into details, but like mm. <laughs> she says, like how it affected. Uh, they said how it affected them. Like just wandering all the time, and nobody wants to answer any questions. You know, I'm not saying that's maybe an old cases, but that's that's I suppose the worst case. And Charlie, is that the whole idea behind your walk? You're trying to do—is it a marathon a day? And you're going from the south of Ireland up to the north of Ireland, and I presume that's yeah. to highlight the need for these supports all over the country. Yes. Uh, well, as I said, whenever I joined the. Uh, the Lados Vita project, uh, I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to try and help, and it meant a lot to me, uh, and I thought I would need to do something big that, to try and get people, even just to get the conversation started about parental alienation, because it's like kind of mental health is also a problem with it, because as you can understand, when somebody's been through it, then it's the mental anguish of always wondering, like, if they can't get in touch with their, chi- their child or children, it's like wondering where they are, what they're doing, like how they're getting on at school or whatever. So that's, that has a mental impact on the parent, never mind the child. And uh, when I got involved with it, I'm sorry, I wanted, I wanted to help in some way and then I come up around Christmas time, I kind of thought, well, uh, to get it noticed or get the conversation started, I needed to do something big. So I thought, uh, walking the length of Ireland, a marathon a day, people would kind of register like, a marathon is a big task, so... Uh, a big task is right. It's like 561 kilometres in total, is it? Uh, uh, I have to be right. I have 364 miles. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're starting off on Saturday, 23rd of July, which is this Saturday, at yeah. Tragbioch Bonlahan in County Cork. That's right. I'm starting there, and then and the sisters went down. I uh, have a great support behind me with my wife and the children and the whole family circle and friends I just can't hardly believe the support and uh, a couple of my sisters and my mother went down and they come up through the route a few months ago just to kind of see it and uh, we're staying in uh, Gaelic clubs every night when we finish well I think there's one night maybe it's in a pub yeah. another night a, hot- a hotel but most of, the, most of the places when we stop in the valleys we're using uh, a GAA club uh, for to stay in at night and use their facilities for showering and different things, mm. and then and then that's to kind of to get people talking about like this person's coming through and the whole reason for it to try and make it more aware. Brilliant, and it's it's Tragbach in Bonlahan in Cork on Saturday. On Sunday, then you're going travelling out from Shanlara Curadrina in Cork then on Monday it's Dunamore, Lacaban, Cork and then on Tuesday Kildarari in Cork and then you're heading out then to Tipperary um, and have you been doing a lot of training before this or is, is this um, like these kind of lengthy walks is this something that you yeah. do a lot of? No, I never do <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been on a farm and I've been on my feet all my life uh, as somebody said to me the other day, oh Charlie, you'll be fit to do it. You've been in your feet fifty-one years. <laughs> but uh, I've uh, through my work and I started. Uh, I do a lot of walking anyway, and then I started training back in January. And it's trying just to get the time. I try to do. I was trying to do at least 
two to three nights a week, maybe eight, ten miles after work, and then do uh, a long walk at the weekend at the first, and then uh, I built it up then to doing two long walks at the weekend. So then I built it up to four Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I done a couple of them, like four, like tw- uh, 20, 22, 26 and a half, and 26 and a half. One day I done 28. So I built, uh, I built it up back to, for a few times back to back, you know, and I felt, felt okay at the end of it, like, so, uh, a wee bit, bits of niggling pains, but I think that's more to do with age. And <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was, uh, no, uh, I'd done as much training as I could, and, uh, I feel ready anyway. I just hopefully the help of God, everything will go right. Brilliant. Well, hopefully it will. And if anybody sees you on your travels through Cork, I'm sure they'll come out and support you and give you a wave. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I would be one nice because uh, surprising like how you, there's. Fantastic. I wouldn't, say, uh, I wouldn't say I ever felt negative about doing it, but sometimes you read out to your mind what if this happens or that happens. But when you get the amount of support I'm getting, it kind of surprising how it keeps pushing you on. Mm. Brilliant. Well, listen, best of luck with it and we might touch base with you again when you're finished and find out how you got on. Oh, that'll be well nice. Thank you very much. Okay, best and of luck. Thank, thank you for covering this. No thank hassle you. at all. No hassle at all. Thank you very much, Charlie, right. and best of luck with the walk. Right, thank you. And Charlie does begin his walk tomorrow morning and as I said, best of luck to him. And if anyone has been affected by parental alienation and they'd like to get in touch with us, it's 0818969696 or 0833969696. Now, um, I was talking earlier about the weird and wonderful things that people have flushed down the toilet and we're looking for your some of your strangest things that you flushed down the toilet. Uh, somebody has been in touch via WhatsApp to say it's not quite flushing it down the toilet but my sister used to hide her naggins of vodka down the cistern off the jacks eventually got she, she got found out when we couldn't figure out why the toilet flush was so poor well fair play to your sister and her um, hiding place it's a good enough hiding place isn't it <laughs> nobody's going to really be checking in there for the naggins of vodka um, we were also talking earlier I was talking about the fact that Jennifer Lopez has now changed her name after she got married to Ben Affleck and she's now Mrs Jennifer Lynn Affleck and I was asking the question you know do people still change their name or are women trying to hold on to their name and one um, uh, Cloda has been in touch and raises the issue of like why wouldn't men take the women's names when they get married she says there's an interesting discussion again on post-marriage name changes as Jennifer Lopez becomes Jennifer Affleck it makes me think of Hannah Sheehy and Francis Skeffington when they married they both became the Sheehy Skeffingtons why not Ben Lopez Affleck and why not Cloda and if anybody out there has done that we'd love to hear from you 0818969696 Rosemary has also been in touch to say imagine if there are children and one marries a member of another Hollywood A-list brood they'd be Lopez Jolie Affleck Pitt or even more unwieldy Lopez Markle Affleck Mountbatten Windsor and so on at infant <laughs> okay thank you Rosemary it's an interesting thought ready to go it's time to vote. It's time to vote. In the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Go to 96FM.ie. Check out the shortlists for all categories and vote for your favourite. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie. For trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty. Backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Now it's all heating up in the Love Island Villa as the series is drawing to the end. And joining me now to talk about this week's um, activities in the villa is Fabu D, TikTok and Instagram comedian. Good morning, Fabu D. Hey, good morning. How you doing? What's the story? How are you? How you how's everything? I'm great. I'm great. Fabu D, there's only about 10 days left, isn't there, in the villa? So at this stage now, the Irish guy, Dami, is still in there. Do you think he's in with a chance of winning? Uh, well, um, I will actually, you know, fair play to him on the show and all. I will actually genuinely will love him to be winning, but... If you ask me who you think should win, it would be Ekinsu and David. I mean, they're the two. They're my two favorite right now. They're, they're mm. like my two favorite at the moment. So Ekinsu and David, they should be the two to be winning right now. To be honest with you, and they seem to be the most popular. What is it about those two that uh, everybody loves? I just think the fact that Ekinsu is like a mother. She's like she's like she's like a boss ass. She's like you know she's a real motherfucker. I just love her. She's amazing. And David is genuine. He's an amazing guy as well. I mean, those, they're the realest guy in the villa. So I'm just thinking them two should be my favourite winner for the Love Island series. Yes, yes. And we'll just watch the language as well. <laughs> Fabu D. Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You just got the wrong guy on show. <laughs> and Fabu D, the uh, new contestants came into the show this week. Four oh, new don't contestants. Even, don't even get me started, Natalia. She just in two weeks and she's only starting drama. Like, come on. I look. I can't. I can't wait for a kid to like literally rip her hair around the show. Show her who the boss is. Like she's only there like two seconds. She's only starting start start talking about a kid like that. You know. I know. Well, I just think. I just think. I just think genuinely, right? Nat- Natalia or whatever her name is, right? She just. She just. She came in specially for a kid. So it's like I feel like she was just w- waiting for her just to get in the show and attack that poor lady. But um, if if anything, if anything, to be honest with you, I just feel like. If you if you have to order Ekinsu on Eurogiant, you will get Natalia. Basically, she just she wants she wants she wants to be Ekinsu so bad, but she can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there any need, do you think, to bring four new contestants in at this late stage in the game? Well, I, maybe yeah, because remember last year where the, um, your man from Limerick, what was his name again? Um, Greg O'Shea. Ricochet just he came in two weeks uh, two weeks uh, like two weeks to the show and he won the show so I'm thinking maybe something like that similar I was saying that to my friend as well I say something, something similar might happen this year as well so I don't know it's just you know the way the, the TV show goes it might be a thing I don't know you know yeah but, um, the, yeah but I so think for I think, Greg think, like he got with Amber and Amber was always the favorite in the show yeah all throughout it's, the series exactly yeah um, okay what's on the um, he, the guy what's his name Deji as well. I think he he should be he should be winning as well. He he just need more airtime as well. And he's like a legend. He's like one legend that should win that show. De, uh, Deji. And uh, Fabu D, do you think that um, like what do you think of the show this year? There's been a lot of complaints, particularly this week, um, about like viewer complaints about the behaviour of some of the boys in the villa. There's like allegations of misogyny and bullying. Do you see that in the show? Um, well, I, I, well, I, 
and the problem that there is, and you know yourself, it's just it's just like you know yourself is a is a TV show, and sometimes I can imagine, right? I can imagine just imagine seven or eight people kept in one house for a while, and I mean the the heat will come off somewhere somehow, and some people just can't take. I know we humans we're we're all different now in different ways, and some people can't take some certain things, and some people can. Mm. It's 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 bound to happen. You know yourself. Um, I can't even I, imagine, I, you know, to be honest, being stuck in the same place for that length of time you, with those people. Yeah, <laughs> just just think of it. Just imagine. Just think, imagine just me and you and whoever it is right now beside oh, you. I love it. Stuck I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe we should go on Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I think I'm a little bit I would probably win. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. I think the, the, this, the Love Island this year is just, they are really, so, there are, some of them are really young as well. So mm. they're really young people as well. So I think that's what it is. I can imagine Ofcom literally like, oh, give me a break. I can imagine the complaints they'll be getting right now or something like that. But it's an, it's actually kind of interesting. It, and the more the show's coming to an end, the more interesting it is. I'm, I can't even stop. Actually, I'm so drawn in. At the beginning, I'm like, okay, let me binge watch this show. But yeah. now I'm like, whoa, I'm so, I'm so in right now because that's what it does though isn't moment. it it just <laughs> yeah it kind of draws it mm, <laughs> yeah towards to, 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 to the end but I don't like to you but we need to appreciate Daisy. I, I don't know I'm just going to get like Saudi, like do you know? I think people have to realise as well that it is a show that we see every night for an hour, but they're in there for twenty four hours. So there's an awful lot of editing going on. So what we see is not necessarily all that happens. And they want to create, they want to have the most drama on screen. So they're going to get the most exciting parts. So the the villa might have been really quiet all day. There was one bust up, and then that's obviously what they're going to put on the show. You know? Exactly. That's 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 what I was trying to explain to you earlier about when you when you made mention of the uh, people um, showing of their bullying attitude like i'm just saying like imagine people in a house for so long the drama and the, the way it works is the way it works is there's camera on them all day 24 hours like literally camera so like we just get one hour of 24 hours of people in one house do you know how interesting if there's if there's a camera on me 24 hours i mean girl you wouldn't want to come in the radio show you will see the, the complaining side of me you're gonna see the happy side of me you're gonna see the good side of me i mean i'm a, as a human so so that's actually how interesting this show is like 24 hours cameras on, on people and they're giving us just one hour of editing oh I want to see too hello let me see what's happening <laughs> and Fabi who, who do you think is going to be next to be um, evicted from the villa oh that's a, that's a, I, I, I genuinely would love Natalia to be evicted genuinely mm. um, yeah I think Natalia Natalia should be should be gone you know, no, really. I definitely. I give wait. I can't wait for Akinsu to beat Natalia's ass right now before she goes anywhere. Just to show, just to show everybody. Um, I, I think Paige and Adam, they're they're lovely people as well. They're actually lovely. Paige is actually, I, I, no, Natalia, definitely Natalia, Natalia. will be. A, I, I, I think so. What about you? What do you think? Um, I'm going to go with Natalia as well, yeah, because like... Yeah, <laughs> you know, she, she Although, just came in... do you know I, what though? Is she I, kind of I, adding I, a I, bit I, of like spice into the villa? That's what I'm saying as well. Yeah, saying so maybe well. keep her in. She's like, <laughs> but she, 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 she's messing with the wrong one though. She can pick on someone else, not not akin to like, you know what I mean? Because like a mother to everybody, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because, because I, I genuinely think... I genuinely think Akisu for me will be the winner of, of, the, of the show. Queen of the true. villa. Yeah, she like I'm like I'm gonna put my money on it. Like I I think Natalia if Natalia if Natalia don't win, then Paige 
should probably win. Yeah. Either either one of them. Yeah. That's those are those are my two favorite right now. I'm really looking for. As Deji is my friend, you know, I've always I've always like you know supported Deji. Deji is actually a cool dude, yeah. and he's there doing his own thing. And I if I think if Deji wants to win the show, he needs to kind of like um he needs to kind of like. No, no, I said Deji, sorry, Dami. Dami, yeah, yeah. Them too. Oh, my God. Yeah, Deji is, Deji is like, they're both funny, though, but Dami, well, Dami, if Dami wants to win the show, I just feel Dami should just kind of, like, calm down a little bit, focus on one, and just, just be serious with that for a while, and be real, and trust me, he might, he might know, he might, but right now, I think too much negativity is going on in him, which I feel genuinely bad about, but, look, yeah. it, which is it's a show, it's a, it's a show. And Do you think he's all right in there, to... yeah? Do you think he's he's coping okay? Yeah, he's oh, this, trust me, he's definitely is. I know, I know for definitely is because at the end of the day, do you know the amount of fame he's gonna get after that show? Like, I would literally, the reason I would, I wouldn't want to go on that show will be something like you know, people will love you and everything, but mm. imagine, imagine how people will talk about you as well. So you're you're not putting just your career online, you're putting your personality online as well. So. Yeah. It's yeah, you know that kind of way. So, but I I know Dam is gonna come out in a, in a very happy way though, definitely because I can't wait. I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to ask him how this show went. Was it like in the villa? Was it out? out? I mean, was it like off camera? And oh, so there's yeah. a lot of questions in my mind I genuinely want to ask. You know that kind of way. I know, and I think everybody does. It'd be great if we could get a chance to talk to him here on the show when he comes oh, out. Oh, oh you should, you, you definitely, you definitely should come here. If he if he comes out, I'm gonna make sure you call him and you talk to him. You, oh, you yeah. have to, you have to, def- <laughs> you have to definitely talk to him on the show. But it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting though to see to see who actually wins the um who actually wins this uh Love yeah. Island show because it's actually it's been such it's been such a great show so far. I mean towards the end of the show, I mean everything's like heating up and stuff like that. So I'm actually enjoying every performance. At the beginning I wasn't but now I'm like, you know what? Let me see what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Fabu D, before I let you go, um, I was watching some of your TikTok and Instagram videos and you were in Cork there, you were in Cove and you were doing the tubing park over in Ross Carberry, which was great crack altogether. Um, are you coming back I, to Cork again soon? Guess where I am, baby girl. Guess where I am right now. You're in Cork. <laughs> I am in Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, so I was here yesterday. I was doing a, I was doing a teenage disco here in Middleton. Amazing, beautiful. We went to visit the Jameson Distillery. Amazing, really wow. beautiful place. Actually, I, I, this is my first time visiting Middleton. I've heard about Middleton a lot, but I have to say, what a beautiful town. What an amazing town. The people here are so. I have to say, I just I used to look at Cork just like Cork, but I never knew there's more to Cork like Cove, Middleton, Yorgo. Cork is amazing. Like big. It is. Like I, now, now when people are saying Cork is the ca- okay, here we go. So let me don't get too deep. So here we go. So Cork is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Yes. Oh, is he gone? No, I'm I'm oh, here. here. I, I was I was I was, was going to say I was going to say I now I believe people should, people say Cork is Cork should be the capital of Ireland, which I yeah. just really think oh my god, it's it's so beautiful. It has more a lot of things to offer like they have a lot of beautiful suburb, you know that kind of way where Dublin have so- Suburb like you know yourself, Blantystown, yes. Mohardat, but Cockas Yoga, you know, Cove, Middleton. What a beautiful suburb, like you oh, know yourself. It is, so it it's, is. It's, actually, it's fantastic. Just imagine, imagine, imagine you get imagine getting off the, the airport and the first county you see is Cork. Wow. You just think of it. It's it's gonna be beautiful, like you know what I mean? Absolutely. So Fabi, the, the people I, of Cork are loving you right now. <laughs> I, I love them too. I, I love Cork people. They're really amazing people. I'm actually, I can't wait to release my video. 
video in Middleton, the Black Party visit Middleton. I can't wait to do it. You guys are going to enjoy it really well. It's actually so gorgeous. I mean, people here are so welcoming. And the Middleton Park Hotel, beautiful place. If anybody thinks about visiting Middleton, they have to come check this place out. Beautiful place as well. Brilliant. Okay. Fabu D, also known as Black Paddy, and you are on Instagram and TikTok. If anybody wants to see your, your Cork videos, and you're doing well, you're, you're doing well, Fabu D, aren't you? Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, I am actually doing well, to be honest with you. I, re- I gained. 410,000 followers on my TikTok there recently, woo, which is great. Um, and uh, on Facebook as well and uh, Instagram, which is pretty cool. And I was on the um, national newspaper re- there recently as well, which is actually cool. Um, I'm actually really happy with where I'm right now, which I'm really gladful and thankful about. The Irish people support me so much. And right. I would like to you, I won't be where I am today without you guys giving me this heavy support, you know. Brilliant. So I'm actually genuinely happy, though. Really, like, I'm really thankful and really happy about it. Great. Delighted to hear it. Thank you for joining us on the Opinion Line, Fabu D. And enjoy the rest of your stay in Cork. That is Fabu D, also known as Black Paddy on Instagram and TikTok. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now, yesterday I was speaking to Ukrainian artist Tetiana Milchina, who is exhibiting her art in her first ever exhibition at the Lord Mayor's Pavilion at Fitzgerald's Park and another exhibition that's happening there until July 30th between Wednesday and Saturday only is um, it's it's part of the MTU Crawford College of Art and Design Summer School and it centres on working through the pandemic as art therapists working through a social trauma and how um, and how art has affected has been affected by it and joining me now to talk about this is Jerry Lee, who is an art therapist specialising in children and teens. Good morning, Jerry. Morning, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. This is a really interesting exhibition. Um, it centres, as I said, on working through the pandemic. Would the visitor to the exhibition themselves be likely to get a therapeutic value from attending? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's, um, there's lots of research, you know, around the benefits of going to our exhibitions anyway, in general. Um, they're proven to lower stress and anxiety, depression, increase critical thinking and empathy and feelings of well-being and gives a nice little hit of dopamine as well. Um, but aside from that, I think, you know, the, the title of the exhibition is Sailing the Riptide. So it's about going through that turbulent time that we've all gone through. So hopefully there'll be something relatable, you know, for the viewer um, in connecting with the art pieces there. And when the artist is creating the works, is the therapy mostly from the act of creation or from seeing it through, seeing the thoughts crystallised in the end product? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. You know, um, as art therapists, we tend to focus more on the the process of the art making, you know, so you're taking away from the aesthetic of the the final piece or the image. Um, 
but like there's a lot that goes on, I guess, in the process, you know, you, you kind of have to come across your, your inner voices and the more critical parts of yourself and get them to quieten down so you can complete the work. So I don't think I've ever completed a piece of work where I didn't want to destroy it, you know. Yeah, that must um, be difficult in itself, is it, to make the thoughts quieten down to allow you to do the work? Yeah, and that's part of the process, um, which is why it's so important. Um, mm. But then the, the end piece then as well gives you, you know, time to think about what's come up and what has kind of crystallized in the end form and makes sense of it as well, you know. Sometimes you can start a piece of work thinking you're working on one thing and it'll lead into something else. Mm. Um yeah, so it's always good, I think, to be mindful of both. But um, but yeah, the process is always very interesting. You know, I think in order to create something, we sort of have to destroy it. And we end up, you know, starting from a very plain, perfect canvas and making a mark. And in doing so, we kind of destroy the, the perfection of it anyway. Yeah. Um, and then it goes to the end piece. It's never going to be perfect. So it's that kind of coming to terms being that things are, are good enough, you know, without having to be perfect in, in everything and completion. And is the process different for each piece that you sit down to do then? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can start down with, with a concept and some of them work with people as well, you know, I'll give them a direction to start with, but you never know what's going to come up. So mm. it could be that um, something that's happened during the day or during the week might suddenly pop up, you know, and, and you'll, you'll see it kind of working itself through the page or through the image you're making and the end piece can be very different to what you started out with. Um you were talking there about, you know, calming the mind and trying to clear it of thoughts. So, like, you, you know, with this um, exhibition, uh, you know, it's it's covering the period of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is quite specific. So is that um, is it is that possible? Is it possible to focus on something like that that's so specific or are other thoughts then going to come into spill into the piece and, and it could take a completely different turn then? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... Um, you know, like I was saying, you know, I think if you, if you start with a, a concept, you know, and that might be your starting point, but things do just come into the image, you know, as you are working. Mm. Um, I think, you know, with, with some of the work I have in the exhibition, um, you know, start with like a, maybe a, an image from a dream I had or a symbol, but then it would turn materialising something very different, you know. Yeah. Um, so though, like it's, it was all created during COVID, so that definitely had an impact on the art, but so did everything else that was going on at the same time, you know, just yeah. that trying to make sense of everything that was going on around us and where I was at the time as well, you know. Um, yeah. So I think, like I know, I went through a, a bereavement during that time too, so that impacted a lot of the work. Yeah. Um, I'm talking to some of the other art therapists that we've gone through a similar sort of journey as well, you know, so there'd be, different things coming in alongside um, the social trauma, I suppose, everyone's experiencing those little nuances and those little mm. things that each of us go through in our daily lives too. Um, you and know, do you find that in. art then, because you lose yourself in the painting, that it's easy then to, um, or not easy, but that it's a kind of a focus away from what you're going through? It can be a bit of both, you know. I think as you work, you can get to contemplate on things they might be experiencing as well. So you'll kind of have a different sort of felt sense about it. Um, but certainly, yeah, it can distract you as well. It's very hard to think about things yeah. when you are making work. I mean, sometimes I'll like, forget to eat, you know, if I get lost in a piece or um, I lose track of time. Yeah. Um, so it does kind of bring you into a different zone and a different, a different creative place. Yeah. yeah. And you yourself, you work with children. You specialise in working with children. Is that different to working with adults? Um, it can be, you know, I've, I suppose I've been working exclusively with children and young people for the last four years. 
Uh, but prior to that, we worked with adults nearly exclusively in psychiatric settings in the UK. Mm. Um, so some things be similar, you know, I'd be using the same uh, the similar art materials. Um, I might use maybe more kind of poster paints and tempera with younger children and, and acrylics and oil bars and different things with adults. Um, but the principles would be quite similar, you know, I'd, um, I'd set up a space and allow people to choose materials that they want to use. And sometimes the adults working with, I'd be working with a very young part of them as well. So it mightn't be seeing the adult, I might be working with a, a younger part that might come into play as well. Um, I suppose with children, you tend to work more systemically. So you're working with the families a lot more than you would be when you're working with just adults. Absolutely. Okay. Jerry Lee yeah. and the exhibition, it's at the Lord Mayor's Pavilion at Fitzgerald's Park and it is open from, uh, uh, it's open now until July 30th, but it's only from Wednesday to Saturdays only between 11am and 4pm. That's it. Yeah. 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 So if you get a chance to go down, yeah. Absolutely Will do. do. All right, Jerry. Yeah. Thank you so much and best of luck with it. And um, now for the Best of Cork Awards. The Corks 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12 month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. It's about damn time to celebrate. The Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards happens on Tuesday, August 9th and now it's time to vote for your favourite. We've revealed the shortlist so go to 96fm.ie and have your say. Here are just some of the shortlists for the 2022 awards. The best uh, breakfast is Market 18, the Spitjack, the Thatch and Thyme, the Barn and Tony's Bistro and I'll also bring you best um, best restaurant We've got Son of a Bun, Luigi Malone's, Market Lane, The Elm Tree and Scoozies. And of course, as I said, you can see all of the categories and all of the nominations are on our website, 96fm.ie. And you go there to vote for your favourite. The Best of Cork Awards 2022 with localheroes.ie, your place to find trusted gas boiler installers, plumbers, electricians and much more only on Cork's 96fm. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Now we are today on The Opinion Line giving away four tickets for the Opera House on July 28th and dinner for four at the Corn Store Restaurant. And we're bringing you to see um, Morrigan. It's the latest opera by John O'Brien. And it comes to the Opera House from July 28th to July 31st. The Morrigan is the Irish goddess of death and fate and is a story of lust and revenge that drags a kingdom to its doom. For tickets, see corkoperahouse.ie. Now, I want you to tell me the answer to this question. The Morrigan is the Irish goddess of what? Is it A, death and fate, or B, life and love? Text your answer, text or WhatsApp your answer with your name to 0833969696 and we will pick one winner and they will win four tickets to the Morrigan at Cork Opera House on July 28th and dinner for four at the Corn Store Restaurant and we will call somebody back at the end of the show for that as well. Now, you may be familiar with the term K-pop and it is growing hugely in popularity over here but it didn't really come to Europe until the really popular song Size Gangnam Style which we're all so familiar with and joining me now to talk about all things K-pop is Christian. Good morning Christian. Good morning Fiona, how are you? I'm fan, or I'm, I'm, I'm great, I'm great. You're a K-pop fan? 
I would be. Uh, I'm relatively still actually, believe it or not, new to the to the concept. I work here in the embassy, uh, the Korean embassy in Dublin, but I've I've become a huge fan in my time here. So yeah, a big fan nowadays. So for people who don't know K-pop, it's um, you know it covers all things um, Korean culture. There's like music, drama, film. And exactly. Yeah. So exactly. Oh yeah. Go ahead. And it's probably um, the first music genre that lives mostly online these days because you rarely hear it on, on radio or on TV or whatever. So can you explain how people then get into it? Like, how did you get into it yourself? Yeah, basically, it's 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 funny how over the last while it seems to have really gained traction. So, for instance, like in Korea, it seems to be the case that like children, a lot of young people would share it on their phones. They, you know, there's a, there's a kind of a combination of factors, but it does seem to be very much an online situation. YouTube definitely has helped us go from strength to strength and Instagram and all the different social media platforms. But although it is getting there here, there's still a bit of work to do, certainly on the charts. Like you, it's less so on Spotify, more so, I think, from what I gather, uh, YouTube and that kind of thing. And what about computer games? Are they a part of it? Um, to my knowledge, it doesn't seem to be a huge, certainly over here it, in Korea, it seems to be taking off in computer games, but it, mm. again, it mainly comes back to TikTok, YouTube, all of that seems to be where it's at for young people anyway and getting them into it. Yeah, it is a big success though, isn't it? Oh, gotcha. Absolutely. I mean, I'm listening to it all the time now. It's nonstop. My roommate, I think she's about to evict me at this point. <laughs> I'm constantly playing it. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's great. And it's really catchy. You know, people really relate to it, um, even though it's not, obviously, um, it, you know, it's in Korean, obviously, but people are re- responding to it very well. And it's just, it's so catchy. I think it's the biggest draw. And I suppose what's really unique about it is that outside of a handful of bands that sing in English, it's mostly um, entirely in Korean um, and and they don't compromise on that much. Yo, yeah, exactly. It does seem to be uh, the case that most of them are entirely in Korean. Um, but there are, you, you, as you know, there's a few songs that you will hear English injected into it. And mm. there is a wider debate about that and whether, you know, most people are happy with it. But um, there are a subsection that aren't as pleased with that. But for the most part, everyone celebrates it, you know, that, that there is a tendency of English in it. Yeah, because like the band BTS, they recently collaborated with Coldplay and people probably know that song. Um, so, do you know, that's kind of, it, it seems to be okay but like our um, you know K-pop fans would they prefer the music stayed in its own lane and that there were some collaborations with the kind of mainstream uh, bands that we hear ha- that we have over here in the West yeah, no, for the most part, everyone, like when they collaborated with Coldplay, it was huge. It was such a, you know, a great way to get K-pop out there, to get everyone interested in it and to get non, non-Koreans non and non-K-pop musicians involved. And um, certainly, you know, helps enhance um, people's interest in K-pop. But yeah, mm-hmm. there certainly were a few that would be going, you know, why are we doing this? But for the most part, everyone was really positive And, you know, it's been it's been great for us, you know. And do you think, Christian, um, because it's grown so much in popularity, do you think that it's going to encourage more people to learn the Korean language? Oh, I'd like to think so, definitely, because it's, you know, it's it's actually not as hard as people. Um, it may, you know, people may view it as a difficult language to learn, but um, yeah. now obviously I have a bit of work to do myself on that front. <laughs> but um, but um, it definitely, I think, is encouraging more and more people to be interested in Korea in whatever way, you know, whether it's language, culture, politics, whatever it may be, do you know? And speaking of language and culture, like the the boys in particular in K-pop are very modern. There's no toxic masculinity, and instead they work hard to look their best. They wear makeup and they wear all kinds of clothing and shades of color in a way that doesn't really happen with boys over here. Uh, was Korea always like that, or when did this all become a thing? 
Um, I think in general, um, for for the idols as they call them, the the K-pop artists, um, it's it's certainly very popular for them for for male artists to wear makeup and so on. But I wouldn't go as far as to saying that every every fellow on the street in Korea is wearing the makeup. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't be the case. But yeah. certainly it has helped. Um, you know, people you know do what they want to do and wear what they want to wear. Certainly that is um. Uh, it's 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 helped promote that idea that you can do what you like. But um, certainly, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's you know everybody. And do you think that that's starting to filter in over here a bit? Are people here looking at the boys and the K-pop bands and saying, "Oh well, do you know what? If they can do it, so can we." Yeah, I'd say so. Definitely, it does seem to be. You know, people are definitely responding well to it, and I think people are just caring less about what people do and or, and how and what people wear. And and sure, that's that's a great thing, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, Christian, there are Irish K-pop artists, uh, most famously the Sodom Solana and the All Girl GGC crew. Are there any other artists we should be looking out for? Yeah, so like as you may know, like they so Dem Solana he performed for the for our K pop festival that we had a few days ago and he was superb. Um and he won the competition back in twenty nineteen. Mm. And and then he went to Korea. So for you know, so both times that Ireland have, have been put forward, shall we say, for this, um, they've they've won the competition outright. So no other country's ever done that before. So it's actually interesting. Both times they've been selected to go to Korea, they've actually won it, which is remarkable. A lot of people wouldn't know that. Um, but in terms of other and the GGC crew also fantastic winners before as well. Yeah. Um, but basically we've had um we had a number of fantastic other acts like the Savage Family Dance Crew. They're a fantastic group here in, in Ireland as well. And D2B and of course the winners that we had this year, a group called Evie. And they're phenomenal. Like the synchronization, the standard is just sure. I can barely walk like and these people are, you know, jumping out, you know, all yeah. sorts of things. It's just really remarkable and just the dedication is just astounding, do you know? So you mentioned I think people, the, the competition and the festival that you had last week, the K-pop festival yeah. here in Ireland. How did that go? Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. They were all loving it and they were all cheering each other on, which is wonderful. Great sportsmanship we have here in Ireland. Everyone was um, rooting for each other. So it was brilliant. Um, and we have two, uh, we have three all together that will be considered by the Korean Broadcasting Authority, yeah. who will ultimately decide whether they go to Korea as Sudem Solana did before. Um, and obviously if they go there then that'll hugely increase their profile and obviously we wish them the very best of luck but they were all fantastic like every every competitor was just great energy in the room it was fantastic And are there more meetups in Ireland? Do you have regular meetups here in Ireland? Yeah, so the competition is annual and it started back in 2011. Um, and um, But there are certainly groups and like, I believe in colleges and societies and different um, bars and stuff that people would go and, and practice, get together. There's like a K-pop Twitter and there's a variety of different ways that they all get together. Our own person is definitely the focus is on this festival. Um, but there does seem to be a variety of different groups that are very mm. focused on, on K-pop and seeing it become a big thing here. So yeah, it's all to play for. And I think there are meetups here in Cork and I'm told as well that, um, you know, that even the, you know, we were talking about the influence of K-pop um, clothing and style and you can definitely see it influencing some of the Cork streetwear, particularly people who work in multinationals in town. So it is definitely becoming um, a lot more popular over here. That is Christian. He works in the Korean embassy and he joined me to talk about all things K-pop. Thank you so much, Christian, for joining us on The Opinion Line this morning. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The Live
lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Just to bring a couple of announcements to your attention. Jerry has been in touch to say if anyone has seen or has anyone seen an 18-month-old pug in the area of Murphy's Brewery, it slipped its leash on Redemption Road and was hit by a car, then run, ran off in shock. And the lady who was minding him is trying to find him. So if anybody sees a distressed-looking 18-month-old pug puppy, um, they can let us know here on the opinion line 0818969696 and we'll get in touch with Jerry. Uh, Thomas Gould TD has been in touch to say that they are staging a protest at two o'clock today outside the AIB South Mall to protest against the decision to remove cash from AIB branches across Cork City. Uh, he says I think it's particularly cynical the AIB announced this during the Doyle recess and I know that a lot of people have been up in arms about that issue this week. So that protest is at two o'clock outside AIB on South Mall. And also, uh, Councillor Ted Tynan has been in touch. There is um, a demonstration at one o'clock tomorrow on Grand Parade in the city. It's um, being held by Cork City and County Water Services workers against privatisation. Ted says 3,500 workers will be taken out of local authority employment and the staff are worried. There's anger because the union leaders are trying to persuade them to go for it. Councillor Tynan would like to point out that since housing and waste was sent to private contractors. The service is not as prompt and customer friendly and there are fears among householders that leaks will not be dealt with promptly. Thank you for that. We have other comments coming in on different things that we were talking about such as the tipping and keeping your married name um, or and uh, bank closures and I will get to all of them in a few minutes as well as that competition in the Cork for the tickets for the Cork Opera House. But first I want to go to uh, Bridget Carmody who's coordinator of the Cork Traveller Women's Network. Good morning, Bridget. Good morning, Fiona. Now, Bridget, I was talking to you the other day for Traveller Pride Week. How are things going so far this week? Um, Well, we're coming to the end of a very busy week, um, but Traveller Pride has been a great success again this year um, after two long years of not being able to celebrate because of COVID-19. Um, it's been fabulous to see some of the photographs from all over the country of all the different events um, that's been taking place for the week. And speaking of photographs, you do have an exhibition. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so the, the final event for the Cork Traveller Pride will be um, an exhibition of <clears throat> a photographic exhibition called Traveller Culture and Pride, uh, Thriving Against the Odd. It's been launched at 4pm tomorrow. It's in partnership with the Triscoll Arts Centre and it will be displayed in the Christchurch for five weeks. Um, the images and other items have been selected by Traveller Women from the Cork Traveller Women's Network um, as a symbol of pride in our community and culture and uh, a celebration of traveller culture and activism activism dated back um, from the 1970s onwards. Mm. Um, These images come from photographers and artists who have done collaboration work with the Cork Traveller Women's Network over the years. And you have some really inspirational people such as Maureen Ward. 
yes, we also, as long, we have 19 images on display and we would have um, two items. So we would have a, a traditional beady pocket that would have been made by um, the Mahan Traveller Women's Group and we would have an example of the distinctive hand stitching done by Maureen Ward mm. um, on display as well with 19 photographs. Um, the... The exhibition also honours the legacy of some of the founder members of the Cork Traveller Women's Network that would have passed away. You know, Traveller women uh, who are so proud of their culture, worked tirelessly, tirelessly for their community and rights and inspired others to follow in their footsteps. Footsteps. I'm very proud to have worked and been taught by these women and to pass on what I have learned to them, to my family and to others. And those women, of course, are Mary O'Sullivan, Margaret O'Reilly and Katie O'Donoghue. To name a few, yeah. I mean, we would have Nell Quilligan, we would have Bridgie O'Donoghue. You know, these would have been women that worked um, for years, you know, on travellers' rights and activism and, and taught the members that we have now. Um, as I said, we're very proud to have worked with those women. And Bridget, travellers, as we know, live with racism and stigma and like that hasn't changed. I know there have been, you know, campaigns to try and get all of this uh, change, but it's still there. But this exhibition is a proud celebration um, of traveller culture and to show that traveller culture is still alive and well today. Yes, I mean, this exhibition is a celebration, a statement that traveller culture is still alive and strong today in spite of all the racism and discrimination that we deal with. Um, it focuses on strong, positive images of traveller identity and activism and tells the story of a vibrant, evolving culture. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and I would invite anyone to uh, to come and, and see the exhibit and, you know, talk to us. And if they have any questions, we will be available to answer any questions that they would have around our culture. Bridget, it sounds like this exhibition is a hugely important one for the Cork Traveller Women's Network. <laughs> It is. It is. I mean, um, we would have we we've worked with the Triscoll now for several years, you know, um, and we are delighted to be in partnership with them. Uh, we, we're based in the Triscoll Arts Centre um, and we are part of their programme of events. And this is the first time that the Traveller Women in the Cork Traveller Women's Network have worked very closely around selecting the photographs, around uh, how to display the photographs. Um, so uh, and to bring you know travellers, traveller culture into the arts world is mm. hugely important. Brilliant, and anybody can go along, can they, to to have a look at the exhibition? Yes, to book it or uh, anything launch, like that, or can you just walk in? No, you can you can just arrive, and um, you can you can also book if you'd like. But we we will be there. There'll be no issue with anyone. Uh, we have, um, as I said, the launch is at four o'clock. And uh, then the display will be up for five weeks in the Christchurch. And I suppose, like, we'll see the photographs, but is there a little kind of um, story behind all the photographs? Can people read up all about it when they're in there? Yes, I mean, there's, uh, the photographs, I don't want to go into much detail because we will be launching them uh, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. You want people to go <laughs> in and see them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but they are they are photographs that the women would have um you know, we have, we have a huge selection of photographs and we have a huge archive and the women particularly selected these because mm. it reminded them of their culture, of their their pride, you know, um, and there is photograph, various photographs of um, BG pockets 
So you would have the traditional traveller beady pocket where the women would um, make these beady pockets very much like a handbag. Mm. Um, but they would have buttons and change and, and relics sewn into those. Um, and they would meet people on the road in, uh, when they were travelling and they would swap buttons and there'd be a story behind each one of those. Um, there is photographs of traveller men with their horses to show the importance of um, horses within the community mm. um, and as I said there is photographs as well of uh, some of the older members of the Cork Traveller Women's Network that were really um, impacted who really impacted us and our lives um, so yes it's a really exciting um, exhibition I hope as many people as possible will come and see it um, yeah because I suppose yeah. it's you know as I said it's a proud exhibition for the Cork Traveller, Traveller Women's Network but it's also an opportunity for people to go in and learn about traveller culture as well. Exactly and I think that's, I mean that has been the theme around Traveller Pride this year you know, um, we've had we've had various workshops around uh, traditional flower making and the traditional Traveller language count workshops um, you know and it was lovely to see in Fitzgerald's Park on Wednesday we had both Traveller children and Settle children they were making flowers and they were talking count and mm. you know that's what it's all about is you know Talking and understanding the traveller culture and understanding the pride we have within our culture and holding on to that. Brilliant. Bridget, thank you so much for um, updating us again today um, on that exhibition. You said it opens at four o'clock today at um, Christchurch and it's going to be open for five weeks. So that was Bridget Carmody, coordinator of the Cork Traveller Women's Network. Thank you for joining me, Bridget, on the show today. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Now before the break I was talking to Bridget Carmody about the Traveller Photo Exhibition which is opening at Christchurch and it's going to be open for five weeks and we said it was going to be opening today at four o'clock. It's actually tomorrow so that's that exhibition will be opening from tomorrow and as I said it will be lasting five weeks. Now here's your last chance if you want to win those tickets to the Opera House keep the ears peeled. I'm going to read it one more time and the answer to the question is in what I'm going to read. So Morrigan is the latest opera by John O'Brien and it comes to the Cork Opera House from July 28th to July 31st. The Morrigan is the Irish goddess of death and fate and is a story of lust and revenge that drags a kingdom to its doom and for tickets see corkoperahouse.ie Now we're giving away four tickets for the July 28th show and dinner for four at the Corn Store restaurant and you have to text or WhatsApp your answer and your name. And the answer to the question, the Morrigan is the Irish goddess of what? A, death and fate, or B, life and love. So text us your answer, A or B, with your name, and we will call somebody back at the end of the show. 
Now, um, we were talking about um, Pride and the Pride Festival has been happening um, across the country all this month and the Pride Festival in Cork kicks off um, this weekend. And last year at the Cork Pride, you may remember that um, singer Caroline Bailey of Sparkle got down on one knee up on stage and proposed to her bandmate Jen Bowler and they stole the show. And Jen joins me now. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm very well. It was a moment, Jen. It was a moment. <laughs> it was that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I'm over it yet, to be honest. I'm still in shock. <laughs> <laughs> so happy anniversary. Oh, thanks it's very a, much. It's a year on. Um, it's been a mad year for you and Caroline, really, hasn't it? It has, yeah. It's been uh, loads of ups and loads of downs. Um, it's been it's been a, a kind of a wild one, alright. Um, we've kind of had loads going on since the um, the engagement, really. So I think things are finally getting back to some sort of normal now, anyway. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, like during that time, like Caroline, of course, had her accident, and we spoke to her on the show here, and she was on um, the the TV show as well, singer last singer standing. And um, you know, you guys have brought out uh, some new music in that time as well. So as you say, it's really been. A up and down year for you guys yes yeah yeah so she did very well in the show she came second in the show and I'm sure we were all so proud of her and everything Um, and obviously then with the accident she's healed quite well from that anyway she's kind of getting there slowly Mm -hmm. but surely like you know um, and we're just kind of looking forward to planning the wedding now and stuff like that so when is the wedding good again um, so we're going for April 24 so the 12th of April 24 lovely lovely brilliant yeah, yeah. and this year for so that was like the closing festival for Cork Pride so are you back to do something for Cork Pride this year yeah we are yeah we're part of, it's on in the port of Cork again this year so really looking forward to this great lineup. we have like Nadine Coyle from Girls Aloud there and um, Brooke from the Eurovision as well is going to be there and Paul Rader and the Guilty Judges and a few people like that as well so it's going to be a great day I think it starts around 3 o'clock in the day so if anyone wants to come it, it'll be a good one I think It must be a great feeling to be on um, the lineup with people like Nadine Coyle all delighted and she was one of the judges in the last thing or standing as well so Caroline's delighted with that she can't wait to meet her again so um, yeah no it's 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 an honour really like to be part of a festival like that like you know and just for yourselves um, you know to be part of Cork Pride must be must be brilliant oh it's the best like I absolutely love Pride anyway and um, getting to play it, it like I said it's just an honour really like we love taking part and we love kind of giving it our all you know and trying to mm. I suppose give back to the audience what we love doing in the first place you know um, so yeah we're really really looking forward to now this year especially with a live audience again you know the cars were brilliant last year obviously as well but um, you know, to have a live crowd in front of you is just the best feeling in the world you know and like Pride Festival Jen it's fair to say it really has grown Cork Pride here in particular it's massive now it is it's great um, there's such a good turnout for it you know and the events are so well organised by everyone you know Denise and Kerry and Clive they just do such an amazing job of Cork Pride every single year like you know um, they just cover kind of I think every basis that they can you know they're brilliant and you in particular love Cork Pride and is that why Caroline decided to get down on one knee um, at that event then yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she knows it's like my favorite time of year. It's like um, so some people's Christmas or Easter or whatever. Mine afraid like um. So and then she was like, obviously being on stage is my other favorite thing to do. So she was like, okay, the most perfect way to propose to Jenny be on stage at Carcrate. Um. So I, I, like I said, I'm still in shock really that she did that so publicly and everything you know. Um. Because um, yeah, I just I don't know it's mad, but um, sure I'm delighted anyway that she did and really looking forward to I suppose planning the wedding now and it coming around in no time I suppose do you know 
And Jen, like you're a, a Kerry woman, and what is it about Cork Pride in particular that you love so much? Um, I suppose in Kerry, like I was from a small town in Kerry, and there wasn't much of a pride scene or a gay scene or anything like that, you know. Mm. Um, and I moved to Cork when I was eighteen, so a long, long time ago at this stage. But um, I just found it was way more diverse, I suppose, than Kerry. And I think Kerry is coming along now. Don't get me wrong, um, yeah. but I still just feel like Cork is kind of. Uh, more welcoming to it. You're, you're kind of I feel safe to kind of be who you are that kind of way Is that because um, it's a city or is that just because we um, I don't know we're just great <laughs> I, You know what you're just great <laughs> um, to be honest no I absolutely love it in Cork and um, you know Kerry is getting there and you know, the smaller counties are getting there too but I suppose mm. because it was a city as well there was a big difference you know and I know I noticed that a lot Same, I didn't come out till I was kind of in my 20s you know or whatever I didn't feel comfortable to come out until then until yeah. I was kind of really settled in Cork you know um, so it's just it's nice to kind of I suppose feel part of a, a good community and you know that you just feel safe and there's no bothers like you know yeah, yeah. And I suppose um, because we are a port city, we always have a lot more people coming into Cork than other areas would have. And people are a lot more diverse. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a good mix of people around the city, really. Mm. Um, and I, I'm so proud of the um, the rainbow crossing as well. It's great. I'm delighted that that's after happening as well. Have you seen it? In, like, have you been yeah. down to it? I haven't been down to it yet, but I just saw it on, on the internet and stuff like that. But I, I can't wait to go down and have a look at it in real life now soon. Yeah, yeah. So. No, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic addition to the city as well. And we had Councillor yeah. John Maron talking about it the other day who had been campaigning for it for so long. And he was, you know, really delighted to see that we had it here in Cork now. It was brilliant. Yeah, no, I'm delighted. It looks great. Like, it's great. And Jen, I'm told that I should rephrase my question that you must be delighted to be sharing a festival with Nadine Coyle. It should be the other way around, that Nadine must be delighted <laughs> to be sharing a festival with Jen and Sparkle. <laughs> oh, God, not at all. No, we're definitely the other way around now. <laughs> um, no, no, I can't wait to meet her now. And um, yeah, no, sure, Caroline got on great with her in the show and everything like that. So it'll be um, very exciting to meet her as well. Um, so we're big girls of fans as well. Are you? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. So. And when is that the, the the Port of Cork party? That's the closing event, is it for for Cork Pride? Yeah, so it's the thirty first. So it's the Sunday of Pride. Um, so it starts around three o'clock. It's on from about three to eight, and it's a free event. Like, and it's it's going to be brilliant. So anyone that would like to come, you should definitely come down. It's going to be a great great day. So. Mm, brilliant. We were talking there a little bit about Caroline. Just like, like I know you said she was well. Has she recovered fully from the accident? Because if people don't know, Caroline was in a car crash and she um, did she fracture her 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 neck or her her spine? Was it? Um, yeah, so she broke her neck and she broke her pelvis in three places as well. Um, so she was bedbound for quite a while, um, but she's made an almost full recovery. She still gets quite sore, you know, obviously. Mm. Like, she's been through the middle of it, but um, she's flying it overall, you know. She's out gigging again and she's back doing what she loves and she's able to go for walks and, you know, just kind of get around kind of quite comfortably. Like I said, like her shoulder and her neck kind of does come at her a bit. Yeah. But overall, like, you know, she was very, very lucky, you know, and was very lucky as well that she was safe after that as well. So Ellie, of course, just is her of, daughter. She was in the car with her, yeah, wasn't she? She was, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're just very grateful for everything, I think, Fiona, to be honest. Yeah. So that everything kind of turned out the way it did. So. Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned their gigging. It must be great to be back and being able to gig again. 
oh stop we were lost with it well I was definitely lost without it anyway I don't know about Carrie, but I was definitely lost um, so it, it's so great like you know we're playing around court they know in Clancy's and Dwyer's and stuff like that like and mm. we just love it sure you know so we just play anywhere but um, <laughs> yeah we're just delighted to be back doing what we love um, so again very grateful for that that things are kind of back to some sort of normal after Covid you know mm. and you did have a new single out like are you working on an album more singles What's what's happening with the music yeah, so we have a couple of singles recorded there now, ready to go. So we have one coming out the 29th of July called Run. Um, so really looking forward to kind of sharing that with everyone. And we have another one ready to go then in a couple of months' time. Um, but we're just writing away kind of singles again, just, you know, trying to get get the music out there and um, just kind of keep going, really. We're yeah. playing at Electric Picnic as well, actually, um, in September. So we're really looking forward to that. Oh, fantastic. Um, so that'll be all our originals. Yeah, yeah. So we're in the Jerry Fish tent, so buzzing for that as well. Amazing. And that, um, like, when I went to the electric picnic, that wasn't there, but I've seen it on the telly and it just looks like such a fantastic place, the Jerryfish area. It's like, that's where all the, you can have all the circus acts and the fire breathers and great music and it's just, uh, it's amazing. Exactly, yeah, it's brilliant. And Foxy Peacock there is, is unbelievable as well. She has her peacock parlour in there. It's just, it's what an experience. Like, if anyone's going to, you should definitely pop into that tent as well. It's mm. the bestest class. And have yeah. you been to, have you played at the Electric Picnic before? Yeah, yeah, we've played the last couple of years with um, the Jerry Fish Tent again. Um, so we, we absolutely love that as well. That's another um, big one on our list for the year. So um, mm. yeah, we're delighted to be able to take part in that as well, you know. Fantastic. So you have a really busy summer between Cork Pride and all your gigs <laughs> and, and Electric Picnic. <laughs> How have you time to yeah. plan a wedding? <laughs> um, well, I don't know, to be honest, um, but we have to kind of plan it in advance because we take our bookings so far in advance you know, for other people's weddings and stuff like that, mm. that we have to be some somewhat organised. So we have um, our venue picked and we have our band picked and maybe a couple of bits, our photographers and stuff like that. So mm. we're getting there all right, you know. Will you have time to take a honeymoon? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe down to y'all. It's <laughs> as good a place as anywhere. <laughs> I, do you know what I mean? <laughs> we'll be happy out on the beach. <laughs> but, but Jen, uh, listen, yeah. best of luck with it. Lovely to talk to you. And I'm delighted that Caroline is recovering so well. Um, and enjoy the Pride Festival. Enjoy um, Electric Picnic. Best of luck with all the music as well. That was Jen Bowler from uh, Sparkle. And um, yes, they're, they're going to be marking the anniversary since Caroline Bailey got down one knee on the stage at Cork Pride and proposed. Now yesterday I spoke to Anna whose son and girlfriend with additional needs had been in town and couldn't get the bus home. They'd been waiting for three hours and there was no information given as to why the bus was um, cancelled and they had to get a taxi which cost them over 50 euro. They were going from South Mall to Camden Fort. Now Bus Erin has been back in touch with us with a statement it's quite a lengthy statement. So uh, they were just saying that they wanted to apologise for the poor customer's experience outlined. Um, they said that the listener has been in direct contact with Bus Erin and with their accessibility officer. A refund for the taxi fare will be made. They say they'll shortly be introducing a new National Transport Authority funded travel assistance scheme through which Bus Erin will provide support to people with disabilities. They also say that the 220 service had particular challenges last weekend resulting from reduced driver availability in part due to COVID-19 isolation requirements. Also, traffic was exceptionally heavy across the city and especially on the southern section of the route towards the coast, given the good weather. 
They also say that antisocial behaviour experienced on the route also delayed services. All this regrettably resulted in a number of duties being cancelled. The real-time passenger information displays are supposed to update automatically from their system and in this instance this may not have happened for which they apologise and in Cork Bus Erin has for the first time begun training car licence holders to become bus drivers and is actively recruiting. So thank you very much for that Bus Erin. That's quite a lengthy statement um, in relation to Anna's um, query that we had yesterday. Now we have been talking about the Stepping Stones Preschool in Farnree and um, how that has been closed. And we said yesterday we had some developing news. Uh, Thomas Gould, TD, uh, good morning. There's some good news, I believe. Yes, good morning, Fiona. And listen, thanks to you and everyone in 86FM for the support that you've given the campaign and the parents and the children. Yes, well, it, it just seems it, we have good news now that um, the there will be... the. Just, uh, there will be an, advertise, an advertisement on Monday asking people who are interested in applying to run the service and that will be open for a week. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at now is Cork Childcare will advertise for a new service provider to keep the community service in the area. This is something that the, the parents have campaigned for. It's something that uh, the community needs because this would be in a savage blow to family. So I, I particularly want to thank the parents, Fiona. Like I know you've had 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 a mom with you. Mm. I know that you've covered the story, and it just goes to show when parents and communities come together to stand up and fight, uh, what can be accomplished. No. And Tommy, uh, you know, in fairness, you've put a lot of work into it as well, and I know that there's a lot of detail that's going on behind the scenes. And would it be possible to bring you back on Monday um, to go into this a little bit further? Because we're just a little bit stuck for time here, so we just wanted to bring the the news that yes. there is that this is going I, out I, to I, tender. I, that's why. And the one thing I would just want to say is I fired it off a lot with Cork City Council uh, over different issues, but in this issue and Cork Childcare, they've been brilliant, and I think. And there was a lot of criticism of the outgoing board. And to be fair, they're doing their best. But we can talk about it on Monday, Fiona. I'd love to come on. Okay, brilliant, Tommy. We'll talk to you on Monday. So thanks for that. And uh, with regards to the banks, Kev has been in touch to say it might be an unpopular opinion, but apart from businesses losing access to a drop safe, everything else can be done via a post office for day-to-day counter banking. Reason that this decision by by AIB has been taken is we're not using banks like we used to. Be honest, people. And uh, Kev, I think you are making a very valid point there. I think a lot of people um, use um, you know their phone now to tap for if they're paying for anything in shops and when they're out in restaurants. Um, and you know, Revolut and um, Apple Pay are another form of payment that a lot of people use. Um, but yeah, um, that Tommy was saying there, the kind of, or TD Thomas Gould, that there is a protest at two o'clock outside the AIB on South Mall for anybody who is very angered by the decision by AIB to go cashless. Now, uh, Vassal Backy has been appointed the new head chef of the Metropole Hotel here in Cork. He orig- His family originated from Greece. He's lived both in Italy and Albania, and I'm sure he's going to bring rich and diverse flavours and techniques from around the globe to his role as head chef at Metropole. Vassal, good morning. Hi, how are you Fiona? I'm very well. Congratulations on your new role. So are we going to be seeing lots of Greek cuisine in uh, Metropole Hotel? 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're going to see Mediterranean uh, Mediterranean food, what's called, because I have this experience down in Italy and some traditional food. Like, I mean, like, you're, you're going to have the curry with the tzatziki sauce as well, you know, so, which is a bit of the both. But delighted to have, to, to, to be a part of Trigon Hotel groups and to be a part of uh, of the Metropole. Metropole, we're located down to the, the on the heart of the city centre. Do you think that people us, here in Cork now are way more open than the would have been a couple of years ago two different tastes like as you said the different Mediterranean dishes yeah they are well I, I moved down to Ireland since since 2005 and then worked down in the kitchen never since especially in Cork you know always worked in the kitchen uh, but then in the time we used to have nugget and chips and you know but now mm. now the food the food has gone high and high and high people like to try and to put their hands every every type of food you know so which is great it's great you know and I was interested your your family are from Greece and I've been to Greece once and I absolutely adored the food over there um, what is it about Greek food I, particularly in the summertime I think because we associate it a lot with seafood and salads yeah, it's a lot of salad, like Greek salad and all of that. You have such a kind of thing called pastiki as well, which is lasagna in, in, in Ireland, you know. Mm. It's a kind of kind of got nice food, which is more that the fresh summer food, which is the fish as well, you know, because the Greece is it's it's close to Albania as well, where I grew up, you know, which is kind of located to it. Yeah, but the food is very rich. They have their own salads, they have their own gardens. Mm. When it comes to the fruits as well, to the grapes and every type of, of fruits that you, you, you like for the summer, you know. And just talk to me a little bit about the Greek salad. What makes it different from, say, the salad that we have here in Ireland? Well, it's the Greek feta, which it makes it different. You know, it's, it's that's why it's called a Greek feta cheese that you can mm. buy it everywhere, you know, down to the market, which is the cheese that, that, that produces that, like, they give some nice flavor down to the salad and their own garden growing up lemons, you know, which is great. Mm. And olives as well play. Uh, uh, yeah, they have their they? own olives. Yeah, they do their own olives as well, and an olive oil as well. You know, which is which is much more good. They have most of the people they do have their their growing olives in their garden, which they which they take them. They take them for for the salads, or they can they can turn them into olive oil. And Vassal, if um, anybody is at home this weekend and we're you know the the temperatures Hello? are quite high, can you hear me? Yeah. Hello, Vassal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah I, I was just saying. I, if, thought, I thought I lost you for a while. <laughs> no, no, still here. Um, if people are at home this weekend and they're enjoying the the high temperatures that we're having at the minute, or kind of high temperatures at the minute, um, would yeah, you have any is, yeah. easy recipes that we could maybe make at home, Greek Greece with you know Greek food, um, that maybe um, people could make for their families at home this weekend, or if they're if they have friends coming over and they want to give them something a little bit different. Do a lovely skewer barbecue of sausage, uh, uh, sausage skewers with, with with a roast red pepper into your barbecue, and then stay put with with a Greek salad is a lovely, lovely summery summery salad that you would love. You have all of the calories in there with with the cheese and mm. with your olives as well. So what is like that's like just the normal sausage or is there a particular type of sausage? Uh, you, you can use lick and pork sausages into the skewer. You can use any normal sausages. You know you can you can do a meatballs into a skewer as well or like kind of meat kebabs. You know with with a roast peppers or a red onions. You know. And would you roast the peppers and the onions before you put them on uh, barbecue? Well, they ca- yeah, you kind of give them a quick flash down before you put them into the barbecue so they can melt down the juice. Then once you roast them down to the meat, you know. Mm. 
And if it wasn't uh, barbecue weather, if it's going to be raining, have you any other kind of ideas that we might be able to do in our kitchen? Uh, the, yeah, in like stews, the grease is actually kind of traditional for the stews, which, which Ireland has the stews as well. You know, you have mm. your, your Guinness stew, you know, we're, we're pretty much the same with the stews as well down on winter time, you know. Greece loves loves stews, loves chili stews, and oh, tell me about the chili stew. So, what do you put into that? Is it like what we do here uh, the, normally, but you just put in the, chili? Yeah, it's it's like it's like a kind of gravy stew, but you add a lot of chilies in it with the vegetables, you know, which which it brings a, a nice warm uh, a warm flavor over the winter time, you know, with the mashed potatoes and the lots of juice in it. Mm, that sounds delicious, lovely. <laughs> Thank you. And would that be best served now with beer or or, or wine or what kind of a drink? Uh, would you well, serve I with think that? wine. I think wine is much more better of it. Wine, red wine, you know. Mm, absolutely, it sounds great. And with um, a stew like that, I suppose red wine, or if you were going with the skewers, with a white wine. Uh, yeah, you can go for a bit less for a white wine. Yeah, the white wine has to be chilled. I say, and especially it's good for mm. for the summertime. You know, is is Greece popular for for winemaking? Uh, they do their own wine, and then they do their such a called graba raki as well. You know, which is mm. made by the white grapes. You know, they have to smash the white grapes. It's a long process for it. Yeah, but yeah, they they're kind of famous for the red wine, and white wine, and the raki too. Lovely, yeah, because I remember drinking the rosé wine over there and it was gorgeous. <laughs> mm, yeah, they have loads of rosé wine too, though. Yeah, they do, they do, they do. And it's a great summer drink as well. Facet, best of luck with the roll. And we'll have Thank to pop you very in now much. for Delighted some of your... For it. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> best of luck. And we'll be popping in there now for some lovely, um, some lovely Mediterranean cuisine. And hopefully some people will get a chance to cook that um, delicious barbecue recipe that Vasil was talking about over the weekend. <laughs> The Corks 96 FM Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12 month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. It's about now some more of your categories for the Corks 96 FM Best of Cork Awards which are happening on Tuesday, August 9th. Uh, I'm going to bring you the Best uh, Gym Anytime Fitness, Dennehy's Health and Fitness, District Health and Leisure, EMF Lifting and Lafting and MT Fitness and the Best Barber, we have Mikey's Barbershop, Peaky Barbers, Asylum Barbershop, Barber Lane and Franco Barbery. And we have all of the categories and all of the nominations on our 96FM website 96FM.ie and you go there to cast your vote as well for your favourite and you um, yeah and as I said the awards are on August the 9th and the Best of Cork Awards 2022 with localheroes.ie your place to find trusted gas boiler installers plumbers electricians and much more only on Cork's 96FM Can we just talk Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Now, this Saturday night in City Limits on Coburg Street, there's an improv group called Snatch Comedy who are going to be um, doing, they, they kind of do improv comedy where they make up funny sketches and um, on the spot and they use audience suggestions on the night. And joining me now is Adrian Scanlon, who's part of that group. Good morning, Adrian. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing it. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for joining Super. us. So this is a bit no like for anybody who's familiar with the show, the TV show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Is that kind of the way this works? 
It is. It's very like how it works. And the funny thing is, I've been describing it that way for the last 20 years. But the more I talk about that, but the more I realize you want to be very old to remember that show. <laughs> uh, even though I used to love it when I was a kid, I used to watch it all the time. But now I'm thinking, how many people have really seen that? Yeah. But if you have seen it, then that's very much what it's like. Yeah. So for people who haven't seen it, what exactly does Snatch Comedy do then? Well, I mean, the, the first thing that people think when we say audience participation is that they're going to get dragged up on stage. It's not like that. That's not what it is at all. Uh, what it is, is that we ask people for ideas and then there's a bunch of us and we're basically, we're actors. We jump up and we make up whatever scene the audience suggests. So uh, we might ask them for something like a job that's very difficult to do. And, you know, they might say, uh, radio a presenter. car tire with a blindfold on. <laughs> a radio presenter? That's not a difficult job. That's a great job. Are you kidding like, me? <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> but if they did say that, then we would do that. We'd act out a scene with a radio presenter, but we'd make it one of the radio presenter's most difficult days where something bizarre happens. Or yeah. we'd make it an unusual character in some way, you know. Like, say, a radio presenter who's trying to present a radio show in Japan, even though they don't speak any Japanese. That <laughs> That would make it funny, you know. <laughs> or a radio presenter who's not from Cork but is presenting a show in Cork. <laughs> that's right. Oh, geez, that sounds desperate, boy. It's awful. <laughs> like, how do you come up with the idea? Like, when somebody just shouts something at you like that, I mean, it must be really, really difficult to just get up there straight away and start doing something like that and being funny as well. And that's the thing that people like about it. And a lot of people, I think, uh, imagine that we couldn't possibly just make it up on the spot. We must have something written down. We must have some ideas made up in advance, but we don't. We just, uh, you can kind of do training and stuff like that with these things. And you're basically being open to whatever the other person says. And you just give it a go. You give it a go and see what happens. It's a tightrope walk. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, we, are, we are taking risks by sort of jumping up there and saying just whatever comes into our head. But it, it just works out. And it's, it's funny, I think, because people can see that we're under pressure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and that we we don't know what's going to happen next, but and we somehow managed to make a scene out of it, you know. And does like say if for example somebody shouted up like eating a bag of chips or whatever it was, would you just get up and do mm. an improv based on that yourself, or would the whole group get up together, or is it just like if two people had an idea, they'd just jump up together and try and stitch the two I ideas together? I know what you mean. What usually happens is we'd have a scene with two people in it. There's four people in the group, so you'd have different people in each sketch. But uh, each one might have all the people in it, or it might just have two. And if one person gets up and starts the scene, then a second person will just join in. And whatever is kind of triggered by the first person's idea will just kind of follow on from that. And it, hmm. it, and it was? Hello? Have we lost Adrian there? He's gone. We'll try and get him back there because I'm very um, interested in finding out about that. It's um, I think it's such a huge skill to have to be able to get up on the stage like that and to act like that just on an idea. I know that um, our own Ross Brown does it here with KC in the mornings where people send in words and he makes up uh, raps and it's um, brilliant. It's so funny, but um, I have no idea how people do it. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And if anybody would like to go along and see them uh, snatch comedy, they are, as I said, at City Limits on 
on Coburg Street and that is tomorrow night and um, I'm sure the lads would be delighted to have anyone go along and if you have any, any ideas you can throw at them. I think Adrian is back there. Good morning. Or Adrian, are you there? Um, yeah, blame the technology. <laughs> yeah, there's me now acting on improv. <laughs> exactly, you're a genius. How to do that? <laughs> and, <laughs> and Adrian, how did you guys come up with this idea yourselves? Like, was it all just um, you know that you were sitting there one day and said, "Will we just go and do this?" Well, like obviously, like I said before, whose line is it anyway? It was the kind of beginning of all this sort of stuff. So somebody else has been doing this for a long time. In places like America and Canada, they've been doing it since the 70s. Mm. And there's a lot of improv groups in other places, in other big cities that are doing stuff like this all the time. So we'd heard of it. And we said, why don't we try this and give it a go? When we started out, we were doing comedy sketches as well. Uh, But the thing about the improv is it travels very easily and you don't have to make up new stuff all the time. So uh, it's a great show to put on in pretty much any venue. So it worked out nicely for us because you can really put on a new show every week when uh, you're when you're doing an improv show. And we used to put, do shows every week right up to the pandemic and then that kind of put the kibosh on it. So now we're just sort of getting back on stream again, you know. And I suppose it's going to be different. Um, you know, you were saying there about different venues, but in different cities and indeed different countries as well, because, you know, different mm. countries have their own sense of humour and what we might find funny might not be funny in another country. And you were in Finland recently. That's right. We went to Finland and we went to the Netherlands as well to improv festivals over there and had a great time. And the, the way that they work it can be very, very different as well. And it can be surprising. So we were surprised at, at how well our show went down over there because we thought that the kind of stuff that we do was sort of universal. But actually, other people in other countries do the same thing very differently. And so mm. ours, our version of, of improv was kind of... Uh, uh, a bit like kind of clowny and uh, fast and furious and unpredictable, uh, whereas they have a little bit of a, a slower, more kind of cerebral way of looking at it in other countries. So uh, we're doing it for fun, really, most importantly, you know. We want yeah. people to just have a laugh and to watch sort of big characters getting into awkward situations on stage. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you mm. ever found yourself in a really awkward situation? Like, was there ever anything uh, almost, that you started out on and then it just went, no? Almost every show has at least one of those situations. <laughs> There's always something that makes you go, oh God, am I really going to have to do this? And you somehow get through it and you burble away through the next three minutes. And then the audience loves that as well because we're always, like I say, we're always under pressure. And, and that's, what, uh, that's what it's all about and that's what the audience wants to see. Keeps you on your toes, keeps you on your mm. toes. And I'd say you love yeah. the, the Cork one, the Cork audience being back at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's great. And, you know, I mean, I think the important thing is that people who haven't seen an improv show before might kind of say, eh, it sounds a bit studenty, but it's really just a lot of fun and it's great crack and everybody can, you know, uh, feel like they helped to make the show together because they're all throwing up their own ideas. Hmm. And us and the audience are kind of all in it together and we really get that kind of buzz from, from the car crowd. Brilliant. Um, I'm sure it's great and um, lots of people will go and see you now tomorrow night, Adrian. Thank you so much for joining us on the Opinion Line today and best of luck with the show. Now, I was saying that I was going to be giving away four tickets to Morrigan at the Opera House on at Cork Opera House on July 28th and dinner for four people beforehand at the Corn Straw Restaurant and I believe we have a winner, Mairead Murray in Ballinlock. Good morning, Mairead. 
Hi, Fiona, how are you? I'm very well. Mairead, the answer to my question, um, the Morrigan is the Irish goddess of what? Was it death and fate or life and love? It was a... Um, <laughs> Death and fate. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yeah. you wouldn't have known that, honey. I kind of more or less spelled it out for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mairead, oh. enjoy it. Are you a fan of the opera? Uh, thanks so I am. Thanks so much, Fiona, that you've made my day now. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Well, enjoy your weekend and enjoy the show and enjoy dinner. That's my lot for this week. Now, thanks to the team, to Fergal Barry, Richard Vickery and Wayne Hilton. I'll be back again on Monday for the week. Enjoy your weekend. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.